0: All right, hey everybody, it's Cronus here again with
1: Papa Bear, and today we're going to have a little conversation about a book called The New Jim Crow. Yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs>
0: hey, it's me, son. I don't know man. huge hole in my, you know, yeah. <laughs> understanding my fellow Americans.
1: <laughs> Papa Bear, as long as you're, whatever you're doing doesn't hurt anyone else. I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is about uh, exchange.
0: All right. Yep. First things first. Um, Are we going to... It's What are you drinking?
1: So, let's see. Uh, I've done pretty good this week. Today was actually kind of tough. So, there was a barbecue at work. Whoa. And, and so, it's, then I got, got kind of lucky. lucky. I, knew I knew the barbecue was, was coming, fun. but I, I had to work through kind of part of it. So, then I left. Went to the post office, and by the, by the time, time I got over there, all food was gone and everybody left. So I was like, Ooh,
0: you're <laughs> like, yes, easy out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like,
1: like one of the guys I worked with was like, "Were you even gonna eat?" Because they know that I, you know, eat don't eat a lot. I was like, it, well, "Probably not, but it just, just makes, makes it easier. knowing no, that it's self put away. Right. So we're, we're good. good. One, one less temptation." Then but I, I realized like I needed to get deodorant from the exchange. I was like, "Okay, went to the exchange. Then it's like all the snacks were calling me." I want, want some chips, chips or some candy or something. Like no, I have keto, keto snacks in my lunchbox, lunchbox that I can have while I'm driving home, and yeah. I have a zero-calorie energy drink, whatever. I'll drink that oh, on the way. So nice. I'm fighting I'm it. I'm trying. Uh, for, for breakfast, breakfast I, had, I had, scrambled had scrambled eggs with, with avocado scrambled into, into it. it. It's good. It's good. And yeah, then um, bacon. bacon. Yeah. So, so I, stuck, I stuck to it. I've been pretty keto, keto so I'm gonna still keep keep like I've been doing. It's gonna probably be boring for everybody listening to me talk about what I'm drinking. So this is a uh, truly, truly mango, mango lemonade. lemonade. This is a mango nice. mango.
0: Tree. I had one of those earlier. So yeah Yeah, I think that there needs to we need have a conversation about like the social, the social stigmas of sticking to a diet and like being legit with it. <laughs> you know because I've had to go through the same thing like when I went keto and even now when I'm like, you know I, I fast every day. And it's like, even my kid knows. It's like, listen, if it's before 2 o'clock, like, I'm not eating anything. Like, it's not even just, can you taste this? No, like, I'm not eating anything. Like, I'll have, like, a black coffee, but that's about it, you know? Or maybe some gum so my breath doesn't stink. Because if you don't eat a lot of food, your breath smells terrible. So, yeah. yeah, There definitely is, like, things like that where it's, like, it's Did you weird. notice my coffee cup? No. Sorry. I was looking at the yeah. camera. Oh nice <laughs> yes infrastructure is my, sexy my
1: infrastructure is infrastructure is sexy copy code.
0: and I, I keep I, I've had a lot of conversations about infrastructure lately anyway um what I'm drinking before I go off on a fucking tangent again um, so
1: next next week would probably be technically a conversation about infrastructure sort of okay about how
0: sounds good we have we've had one sort of already but I'm down to do way more than one because it's it's a huge one, on deal. one. On infrastructure. Remember when we talked about like Texas and like their power yeah. and stuff like that. But I'm down to keep talking about it because.
1: So it'll be specifically about housing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. 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 All right. Yeah. I am I drinking. I'm drinking what do you so- drink? soju. Um, oh. And this is from Costco. What? I love Costco, by the way. Um, <laughs> that's where I got my trilys. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got my trilys too. And like I talked about the other day, but. Costco's alcohol is so ridiculous, you can buy a liter and a half of vodka, enough to kill pretty much anybody in one sitting, for $13.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea how that's... I feel, like you, I feel like you said that exact line before. Like, yeah. basically, it's cheaper to kill someone <laughs> with alcohol than it would be to buy a bullet right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, for real, it really is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway. It was uh, in California. This is a Soonhari... It's the Citrone one. It's the basic lemon, um, and it's it's like twelve percent alcohol. But it's a it's basically a beer bottle, and I'm you know I'm drinking that out of my uh, Run the Jewels uh, cup here. And then I also have
2: like a a backup beer. It's a Stone Vengeful Spirit IPA. So yeah. So at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years, so I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today Is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something, that is only my own position. I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps' official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're going to cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on. Um, so if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps' policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out, um, or leave a comment or send us a message uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow, and we can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. All right.
1: What are you reading, man? So I am reading a book called the rise of Superman.
0: Okay. Uh, Nice.
1: Yeah. And it's a book about, um, it it primarily focuses on like action sports or extreme sports athletes Mm -hmm. and how over the last multiple, like really probably 30 years, this easy usually says like several decades, um, they've like really focusing in on them as the center point of the study of flow have realized that they long, like have always basically been cracking uh, and like not cracking uh, like hacking the flow concept where um, all of the foundational things you need are in such a high level when you're doing extreme sports, stuff like that, that you have to be in flow or you won't survive. It's stuff like that. Um, and so they talk about Danny Wei It was probably one of my favorite stories When he did his um, uh, Mega ramp Launch over the Great Wall of China Have you seen that?
0: No I was thinking of a different guy The guy who fell From fucking doing a mega ramp they he went up like A half a half pipe And like Got yeah, really fucked up Different guy
1: So Ended up landing on the ground right?
0: Yeah he got fucked up bad Sorry That's still Danny
1: <laughs> anyway. Wei Yeah Same dude
0: Oh same dude? Yeah that's why I said the, the name sounds familiar Holy yeah. shit Alright like, fucking- So he
1: did that he did that event four days after he jumped over the great wall of china
0: holy shit so he, he's so probably he, high on life
1: <laughs> he, he's extremely high on life he's that kind of guy so he he was like up on top of it just testing how it was was like i'm gonna give it a test run and just went and it was it was too short like it was not built right he literally ran straight into the wall
0: oh shit
1: and then he he like. Completely broke his – he sprained his ankle, broke his, like, push foot, like, his steering foot, like, injured his his shoulder and, like, got up. And they're like, oh, we're going to take you to the hospital. He's like, no, hold on. I'm good. It's good enough. Yeah. (laughs) Shook it off a little. Goes back up there. Jumped it. (laughs) Failed it. You're like, most people couldn't do that on a good day. Yeah. How are you going to do that? Broken. Then he did it four more times. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So then he gets on a plane. He flies to California, where the X Games are going, where that mega ramp event you watched or saw the video of was yeah. like the center part of it. And then he he did he did awesome. And then he he landed on the ground on a different effect. So like the one landed. time he did, yeah, he <laughs> went up, but like didn't wasn't gonna come back down in the ramp. Managed to somehow adjust himself in the air and land on his feet. Yeah, <laughs> on the flat of the ground way 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 off from where he was supposed to land and so like the extreme stuff that he did and he still got second on that Bob Bernquist beat him because he was able to be like more in sync with his flow like that's all it was Bob Bob knew he's like they both knew that that's really what they were doing and I was looking into it and I'm finally getting to a point where it starts talking about how you can take those concepts and strategies and everything that they've learned from studying um, these extreme athletes and like apply it to more basic things like we talk about getting into flow when you're just trying to, like, lose yourself in a project and not necessarily think about everything around you. And if you can focus in, you can kind of tune out the world, um, which is kind of an important part. It's They work go hand in hand, but you need to tune out the world to get into flow. But then once you're in it, you kind of can keep it tuned out. Yeah. Um, so creativity for me, and we talked about Lego for a lot of, um, at least the, the veterans that or in like my community with lego stuff um that it is therapeutic you know and helps um, deal with your stress and helps you like kind of get away from it all yep. focus in for a little bit be in a cool place enjoy yourself you know uh, all of the neurochemical part of it, it's like yeah it does feel good when you get in that place and it's nice to you know feel good so.
0: yeah it's actually one of the reasons why i started taking nootropics um, I would like up my dosers for nootropics just to go to jujitsu, so I can get into the flow state faster and stay into it like longer. Um, I think that that definitely like made me way better at jujitsu as a older as as an aging athlete <laughs> rolling with young people. You know, it's hard. because, like your your brain doesn't work as good as you get older. But nootropics definitely helped me out. You know, like getting into the flow. And it's like my body just knew what the fuck to do. So.
1: Well, in the book I read before this was Limitless, and one of the things that are a key indicator of ending up with Alzheimer's or any of the other, like, degenerative diseases for your brain is how much of your attitude and your mentality about continuing to learn, like, as long as you yeah. strive to learn and keep trying to learn new things, it actually significantly reduces the risk of ending up with some kind of degenerative disease because you, you're working it out, right? You keep working out. You're going to stay physically in shape. Keep working on your brain. You stay mentally chill.
0: Yeah, your brain is a muscle, so yeah. it's like it's a muscle. But yeah, it's,
1: no, it's way more like a muscle than it is like anything else. So, yeah. so in the pre-show, uh, you talked a little bit about your flow events. What were those ones that you said were like your flow events?
0: Yeah, so my flow event, the main one for me is doing uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, only um, because of like it. it um, it's a high degree of difficulty and it has like a really strong physical aspect. And so for me, the main way that I de-stress and like really get rid of like all my like mental issues is through like some sort of physical activity. Um, and jiu-jitsu is like the number one thing that like de-stresses me. Um, but now because of, you know, COVID, I, I can't really rely on jujitsu jitsu anymore, like that much anymore. And I've had to rely on using a Peloton bike. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't fucking like cycling like I I don't but it's a challenge because I kind of suck at it so I I try to latch on to that like listen you suck you kind of suck at it let's get better at it and focus on that instead of like focusing on the fact that you're just grinding for like 30 minutes to an hour or more on this one thing as like this person talks to you it's I, I get out of that headspace and just, like, listen, try to get into the flow state. Because there's times where, like, I'm riding and I know I'm going to hit a wall. Like, if I'm doing, like, an hour-long ride, 45 minutes in, the wall's coming every single time. Yeah. So, and I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to prepare for it. And I try to get into the flow state right around that 45-minute mark. Or hopefully before that. <laughs> but I know around the 45-minute mark I need to be in some sort of flow state. So I have to think about that. Like, hey, just stop thinking about the grind. And just start trying to enjoy yourself on this bike and and just, just do it, you know? Especially when it comes to, like, endurance rides. Because endurance rides, they're not crazy fast, but they're mentally enduring. Because for me, riding at about, like, between 20 and 22 miles per hour is, like, my endurance pace. And if you do that for a long period of time, for, like, an hour, that's, like, a lot of doing the same thing. Like, can you? <laughs> it's, it's
1: rough. So, um, to me, one thing I keyed in on when you talked about the two different ones was that you felt way more, like, strongly in flow when you were doing jiu-jitsu. Yeah. yeah. So, big part of it to me, just learning about this right now, what I thought of was it's probably because of, like, the inherent sense of danger, right? Yeah. So, you have a, a, a far more obvious and, like, well-identified threat kind of concept going, which immediately triggers you in the flow. Like, and you jump in and you jump in deep because it's... Flow is is a like a primal concept for us, right? So it's a thing that allowed us to survive better. It allows us to cut everything else out and super focus in on those things that we have to do to survive. Um, and so the difference between those two for me was that like you're able to snap right into it with that because you can you're looking directly at the person who is that threat. You're like oh okay here we go yeah and just kick that thing in. But then with with exertion and the like the version that comes from the peloton is more like the runner's high version that they yeah. talk about where after a certain amount of time your body starts breaking and you're like, okay, I have to mentally shut some things down to, to, to be able to continue to go. Um, one last thing was the way you described it was almost perfect to the four parts. So there are four stages to actually being in flow. So there's the struggle, which is like preparing for it. So with jiu-jitsu, it's all the work you do ahead of, like, an actual uh, grapple, right? Like, an actual... What would you call it? Uh, rolling. What? Rolling.
0: Ro- rolling, yeah. like far. Yeah,
1: an actual roll with a- another opponent. Yeah. It's all the work up to that point. It's, like, you preparing yourself mentally. It's you training. It's, it's you working on that, especially since you're probably going to do warm-ups. You're going to do all the stuff getting yourself mentally ready for it. So there's supposed to be a stage in between, and what a lot of us do is we, we mess that up. So... The struggle is something, especially, like, I think Marines, we're, were good at, we're good at <laughs> struggles. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, you're good at being able to, like, look, this is the struggle, I get it, it's going to be tough, no problem. So, the next phase, though, is supposed to be a release. So, you're supposed to, like, break yourself from that struggle, you're supposed to create this mental freedom gap, sort of, between it, where you laugh a little, or, like, make yourself feel happy, you get yourself into, like, a, I feel good spot, like, and you mentioned that when you were doing something, you told it like I just gotta stop worrying about the struggle, I gotta just focus in on getting ready because I know I'm about to hit that wall. And that right there yourself, you're letting yourself let go of that struggle, like that little mental piece. Yeah. But a lot of us a lot of times when we are thinking about like I gotta do this thing, we don't let ourselves release from it first, so that we can flow in. And then the third stage is flow itself. That's okay, you've you're ready to do it and you do it, and you enter flow. But then afterwards you also need recovery. So it causes you to Cut out other things. You turn off a lot of neurochemicals. You amp up a bunch of other ones. Your body can only handle it for that for so long, and then you need to allow your body to like resettle itself. Yeah. A lot of people will try to stay in flow for too long and hurt themselves. So, uh, yeah, it's not, I, I would imagine in Jitsu because uh, I know when I was doing martial arts, like we didn't do the release portion very well. Like having an opportunity to go from the struggle, the hard workout, the warm up, the self discipline piece go straight into, uh, you know, the training with an opponent without needing, without doing some kind of a mental break in between.
0: Yeah. So the mental break in between, I think for me and probably most people that are doing jujitsu is like, after you're done rolling is like talking to people, um, that you rolled with. Cause at, at some point you become like, if, if you knew a jujitsu, this probably doesn't happen because you, you don't know your, your, uh, training partners well enough to like really like talk to them but like once you have been at a gym for a while like you get to talk to them afterwards and even if you don't um you get to have the decompression of when you're you know if you go back to like your house you know if you're driving home or walking home or whatever you replay all this stuff in your head like how could I have been better at this or you know what did this person do to 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 beat me or what did I do great at this and for me that's like my decompression part it's almost like um it's like a post Work out high, on the way home. Like I, I, I rarely there's only like maybe one occasion where I did jujitsu and I felt bad on the way home. Maybe once and I think that was likely because of like a lot of pain. So I fucking I really messed up my neck. I had to go to the ER like afterwards. <laughs> so, but um, yeah that, yeah, that was that was bad. But yeah, like getting into the the flow state and like coming out of it, it's like I think you need self reflection time, and I think that's what people they, they might. Sort of skip that part.
1: <laughs> well, the recovery will happen naturally if we have time, and I think so. There's also most of the time after flow, there's like the afterglow, a lot of people call it. So like yeah. you're, you keep feeling good for a good while after, which is why people seek. I like, guess why thrill seekers keep doing what they're doing because they yeah, the enter flow, flow. survive it, and then yeah. they're like, I want to go back there. That was great. Um, but like, what we don't do is that if if we want to get efficient at it, like it can be quick. Um, to create that mental release part, the, the yeah. first part, like between the prep and the actual flow, you need like a a brain break sort of thing. Oh, uh, um, I see, yeah. Yeah, to separate yourself from the struggle part to actually be ready to allow yourself to get into flow. So, like, I, do you know who Shane McConkey is?
0: That sounds vaguely familiar. Was he in He's like,
1: no, uh. he's this it's super crazy extreme skier. He was the first to develop um, ski basing. Do you know what ski basing is?
0: Is that where you ski and jump off a goddamn mountain with a parachute?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> the first to invent that whole concept. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then he's been doing it for years, and uh, one uh, this this female skier starts thinking that she would like to do the same thing. She'd like to be the first woman to ski base, who's no one has done it, right? Um, so she starts training with Shane. And uh, they do a lot of the... Because she skis. She skied her ass off. She's already done the extreme skiing stuff. So he started training her for parachuting and then base jumping. And then was ready to finally do her first full set, right? Ski to base jump, right? And uh, so she's been doing the struggle. She's been prepping, 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 prepping. So she's up there ready to go. He sets off fireworks. (laughs) Sets off these fireworks. And the fireworks explode in the air. And down come these little parachutists... Like, like that he had wow. put in the <laughs> fire <laughs> on fire, right? So he gets her laughing. Like what the? <laughs> Look, they're on fire too. So it's like, that's not even a good sign, man. Yeah. So she's laughing, and like all that stress, all the work. Like okay, I'm I'm ready. I know that I'm ready. I yeah, worked myself all up to here. That laugh got her to this place where, and then she nailed it. Crushed it the first try. Nice. First time she's ever been able to. She was able to interflow like immediately and. It looked back through it and we're like that. That was probably that release moment. You know, he set that up knowing she needed that because he's just been good at it. He does it naturally. He just has been doing it for so long. He's kind of learned inherently the things he has to do, and so he knows how to teach people how to do it. It's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the flow state is such an excellent thing for human beings to do. It's like probably maybe I'll be in trouble for saying this. I don't care. It's pretty close to like having sex if you're not used to flow state. Like it's super close to having sex. So especially like the whole he, all the stages.
1: <laughs> he hinted at it. He's hinted at it that basically pretty much you pretty much, it absolutely is a flow state in most most cases. Like yeah. you enter a flow state as a part of that if you're doing it
0: <laughs> Yeah. If you're not too awkward, you'd be
1: alright. Alright, <laughs> right. yeah, like the Moving
0: on, what are you reading? I've read uh, a couple of books since we last had the podcast. Actually, within like the past seven days, I've finished off like three books, um, and I just started a new one today. I finished one today, and I picked up a new one today. But the first one I want to talk about is uh, "Can't Hurt Me." It's the David Goggins book, which is an excellent. Have you read that one yet? Oh, uh, you gotta read it, man! So your next What's book, uh, "Can't Hurt Me," is Sorry, by, by David Goggins. He's the guy who was... Uh, have you heard of David Goggins at all?
1: Yeah, I, I already have. Yeah.
0: yeah. So he was a Navy SEAL. And he's famously known for going through Hell Week three times in a year to become a Navy SEAL. Basically, yeah. he was... Um, he joined the Air Force to to be a PJ. Didn't make it. He ended up being, like, I think it was TAC-P or something like that. Which is still pretty good. But he got out of being in the Air Force. Ended up being... Uh, a fat guy, like spraying for cockroaches. He was like 300 plus pounds. He was th- almost 300 pounds, spraying for cockroaches at like restaurants. And then one day he sat down after like eating a bunch of like bullshit food, and he saw a video of the Navy SEALs. Like it was like a 30-minute video of like some class in the Navy SEALs. He's like, you know what? I want to do that. And so he went to all his recruiters, and they're like, okay. Um, they're, first of all, when they, when they saw him. Most of the recruiters were like, you're too fat, man. There's no way we can let you in. And you're in the Air Force. Fuck out of here. He found one guy who was a new Navy recruiter. And he was like, all right, um, you got to lose 106 pounds in three months if you want to make the next class. And uh, you have to, and he was like, he even calls himself dumb because he cheated throughout all of high school to pass high school. He barely passed the ASVAB test. He failed, it, I think it was the first, at least, at least the first time. And they were like, you need to raise your ASVAB score to like join the to be an actual Navy SEAL. And so for for three months, you know, he had to f- first of all get smart enough to raise his ASVAB score and lose 106 pounds. And he went through all like all this crazy medical issues and shit like that. And he and he actually when he actually became a Navy SEAL, he did it on broken legs. He literally taped up his legs to complete buds he would put socks on tail up the socks put more socks on tail up those socks and more socks on top of that to make sure because he had a bunch of stress fractures in his in his legs to keep his legs together to pass buds and that is that's not even the craziest thing that he that wasn't even the most painful or craziest thing that he's done because he became like an ultra marathoner and an ultra uh, distance like uh, he's like an ultra distance for triathlons and stuff like that he's just he's an amazing human being And, like, listening to his whole story, um, it's a really good book. Uh, Some of his stuff that he talks about are, like, things that I've been through growing up, and it's just, like, hearing the way that he dealt with these issues and, like, being brutally brutally honest with himself is, like, really refreshing. And I think that most people, they don't like, because he he curses kind of a lot, which, obviously, I don't give a fuck, but... um, Yeah, but he's just, like... There's times where he's failed in his li- Where he's failed in his life and he's like... Yeah, I failed, but, you know, I got back on the horse and, like... I got it done, you know? Because, like, he- same thing with, like... He-, he wanted to get, like, the pull-up world record. He failed at it twice. On the third try, he got it. But he tells you exactly why he failed... On the first two attempts. And how he failed, you know... Trying to become a Navy SEAL. And how he failed at... Um, trying to get into Delta Force. So he was... Not only was this dude... Uh, Navy SEAL, he also passed Ranger School and he went to Delta Force school twice. So it's just like his mind is is amazing and like how not to be broken and how to deal with defeat and like really understanding like your actual faults. So yeah.
1: Yeah, well I'm talking to like instructors and students trying to get them to wrap their head around like having the right mindset about learning and becoming better. Like one of my favorite quotes to use is The only person who's never failed at something is someone who never tried anything new. Yep. Uh, It's Einstein quote. So it's one of those ones that like I've also read that people say it's misquoted for being said by Einstein. I don't know. Either way, it's It's a good quote. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, and it's right, right. This is one hundred percent true. That you know, if you try something new, it's okay if you fail. Yeah. The issue is just if you give up.
0: Yeah, that's almost what they don't understand. It's just like they try something once and then they just give up. Like, I suck at a lot of stuff. I really do. Like I said before on the podcast, I suck at cycling. Um, my jiu I'm not a world champion at jujitsu, but I just keep coming. So I like it because it defeats me and I, I enjoy it. You know, it's, I don't care if it like if it beats me or somebody else beats me or whatever. Like, I just keep doing it because it's, it's good for me.
1: I also, I also feel, feel like, like that guy, guy might be fairly familiar with the flow state.
0: Yes, especially when you're doing like an ultra... like When you have to run like 100 miles, plus miles. Um, he, did the, he did the bad water. so you know what that is, right? Isn't
1: that... Is that it's a New, New Mexico, Mexico one, isn't
0: it? Well, it's, no, it's in Death Valley. So that's the one where it's like... A, I think it's 139, 139 miles in the summertime in Death Valley. And it starts off flat, and then the end of it is like... It's all incline. And it obviously takes more than a day to complete because nobody can run a hundred miles in a day. Well, people can, but it's 130 miles on an incline in the middle of summer, and that whole story and like how he got to get to. Cause you have to apply to go to Do Bad Water, and that whole story. I'm, I'm not even going to mention like what he had to do to get to that, but it's it's an insane story, really insane. I'm like how far you can push your your body. Oh, and then the other books I listened to. Uh, was Level Up or Die, which which is a lit RPG book that was free on Audible, so I picked it up, listened to it. It was pretty good. And I just started the first book of um, The Wheel of Time. It's called The Eye of the World. So it's going to take me basically forever to finish all the books. Was, was that one, one
1: free, free for September? September so, so it's new free this,
0: free this month. month? Uh, Level Up or Die, I think it was free a couple of months ago. I just I put it in the queue and I just didn't read it for I didn't I listen to it for a while. So it might still be free. I have no idea.
1: Yeah, because yeah, usually, usually there's a, a couple, couple books that are free each month in a lot of different categories. categories. So it's like, oh, like, uh, I usually try to, try to look, look at that list, list and be like, ah, uh, that sounds uh, interesting. That sounds, that sounds interesting. And For those, those months where, where I'm cranked through a couple, through a couple lists, fast, I'm like, oh, man, I need something to read. Oh, I, I got, got those ones in the queue, kind of like, like you did. Let me check that out. Yeah, it was
0: weird to see a lit RPG book on the free side. I was like, all right, let's do it.
1: So you know who wrote the last book of the wheel of the time?
0: Wasn't it Brandon Sanderson?
1: It was Brandon Sanderson, Sanderson. so you're, you're already starting to
0: like, like you're gonna yeah. have <laughs> stuff come, cause like okay. <laughs> cause so I, that I thought
1: really really breakthrough.
0: well yeah cause when, when I when I first looked up the book I saw that Brandon Sanderson was tied to it but then I'm, I, when I started this book it was uh, Robert Jordan yeah. so I was like where is Brandon Sanderson so I guess this is the last book
1: so the first like 11, 11, so the 10 Jesus or eleven we we're all Robert Jordan I told you you're in for a fight now yeah, it's, you it's took fine. on a big battle Yeah, yeah. so Robert Jordan wrote all of them. He wrote about a third of the final one before he passed. And so then they were trying to figure out how to do it, who to have finish it. They had all his notes. The whole, all of the, like, you know, beats were laid out. Someone just needed to write it. And uh, Sanderson had written two or three books, and they felt like his style was the right style to match with Jordan's. And so he got hired to finish it up nice and that was really where his name like okay him you are now like someone people recognize their name and then he just starts cranking out books I
0: mean that's literally one of the main reasons why I'm reading, listening to the book it's because I saw that he was tagged to it I was like alright this dude's a good writer so let's go yeah. yeah
1: Jordan is from an era where a lot of those books are very similar mm. uh, they're, they're very Lord of the Rings um, Shannara like they're all genre like, Prodigal, yeah. Super <laughs> stuff. So, it's great. I still love all of it, but it's at looking back. I start reading Robert Jordan again all the other time because I've read them all and I'm, like go to read it again. I'm like, this again? No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> well, it's
0: kind of like I'm listening to, it, and it's kind of quote unquote old timey, which is fine. Yep. But you know, it's just I'm still gonna enjoy the books. I can already tell I'm gonna enjoy the like, books. But it's like it's from a different era than what I'm because like we if you're listening to. The vast majority of my consumption of books is lit RPGs or some serious, like, civil rights shit. Right. Which is all, a lot of it's current, you know, so the, the writing styles are a little, little bit different. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll just take it back to, like, the when I was listening listening to, oh, what's the guy's name? Jesus Christ, the guy that did iRobot. Did uh, oh, uh, uh, we were just talking about it. I forget his name now. He's, he's one of my favorite L. Ron authors. Humber. L.
1: Hubbard?
0: No. No, no, no. He didn't create religion. <laughs> Somebody's going to be mad listening to this. Like, why don't you know his name right now? <sighs> Isaac Asimov. Jesus no. Christ. There we go. Isaac <laughs> yeah, Asimov. we both
1: like, Asimov.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Asimov has an old-timey feel to all of his books, but it's fine. It's yeah. classic.
1: I had in my creative writing course. I actually had an assignment where we had to take an Asimov writing uh, and then write it with a modern voice, oh, like a nice. new, a new um, creative, you know, writing voice. Um, I really enjoyed that that project. Like that was a piece of work that I I wouldn't say I was proud of because like I definitely like have grown as a writer since then. But like it was still fun. It was definitely enjoyable. Like okay, how would we deal with this same scene scenario concept what words we use how would we rewrite the concept into today's like creative writing it was fun yeah it,
0: well i hold on. i gotta look real quick there was like a book i was listening to uh oh it was the era of navron which also i finished in the past at least two weeks um it was by michael j sullivan and like one of the words that they used was niggardly and i was like holy shit I was like I've never I haven't heard this word In like a long time It's like one of those things Like if you want to modernize A writing style It's like probably change Certain words <laughs> You know what I mean I was just right. like man So that probably goes You know the way you're talking about Like modernizing A writing style yeah. Certain words you're probably Not going to use anymore
1: Yeah not even just words too But like tone And all the other stuff That goes along with it It was, it was fun And But like yeah, Fortnite right even yeah. though it's a video... Game now, like, that's not a word people use. No. Most people don't even know what it means now. Uh, so. I saw it on something... On a TV. We were watching... Uh, Cindy is watching I Survived. Mm. And on one of those, it said... A fortnight later, I was like...
0: <laughs> yeah, nobody's familiar um, with that. No one
1: knows
0: what that is. it is, Is it 40 days? I forget how many days it is. Two weeks. Is it two weeks? Okay, yeah. I can't remember.
1: <laughs> but it's um, like... Nobody... Nobody uses that term
0: anymore. Yeah. All right. Let's get into Sweet. the uh, meat and potatoes of this podcast. So we're almost an hour in. We have not talked about the actual subject
1: <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah, it's a, I mean, so it's sometimes we, we... I think that's part of what this show is set up to do. We have our intro discussions, and then we have the topic. Um, so I guess we start with a disclaimer.
0: Yes, and i will come in now.
1: And then, I guess we're back. Okay, so how do we want to start this? Um, Well, how do you want to start Because you
0: you recently read the book.
1: I did. I just read it, and did did I already explain to you, like, me coming to grips with white privilege concept?
0: No, but actually, I had to come to grips with the same thing, and it's weird to say that as a black guy. (laughs) So, tell me your experience.
1: So, um... I got close enough with another Marine chief warrant officer, like same same rank as me, who's black, and finally was like, had the courage to ask the question, right? And so that's where I think a part of what we're trying to do is show that we need to have the courage as members of society to have conversations that maybe are uncomfortable. yeah, And read things that maybe you might not have thought you should read or wanted to read whether you should or shouldn't read it with it that you definitely didn't want to read and we were talking pre-show about like there's a book i'm going to probably read that i'm like i don't want to read this book because the point of view of it i already know up front i don't agree with 90 percent what this the whole foundation of this book is but i should read it because i want to hear what their perspective is and maybe i'll it'll shift something for me some small piece of it would make me make i'll think about that in a different way now you know Um, so I, I finally sat down and asked him, I was like, so can we talk about this? Because this is the way I've seen it. This is the way I understand it. And I feel like I heard enough things and seen enough things now that I think maybe I'm misunderstanding it. And we were in Hawaii, we were there for an, uh, like an exercise event that we were, um, doing reviews at to be able to do some write-ups on and. We were just sat on some bleachers because these guys had all finished their training piece. Marines were leaving. We were waiting for some of the civilians uh, who were were like closing down some systems. We we're just waiting so we could get ready to go back and change and go to dinner. And uh, and so yeah. So I asked. I was like, so what I perceive it to be is that there's an assumption that I get something or that I have the ability to, you know, be more likely to to go great places because I'm white, right? Like that I'm privileged that I get an advantage specifically uh because of being white. And you know, we talk about our histories and my history and like I I spent significant parts of my, you know, teenage years wondering where I was gonna eat tonight, whether I gonna have somewhere to sleep under a roof. I slept under bridges uh, in Portland, Oregon at skate parks because I had nowhere to go to sleep that night. Um and and I say nowhere, like A lot of the nights that I did have somewhere to sleep, I stayed with friends, but you feel like you overstay that welcome at some point. You're like, I need to stay somewhere else for a day or two before I feel like I should ask them to stay there again. And so part of my head space was, there's no way that I was privileged just because I was white if I had to go through that crap. And he helped me understand, like, it's not really that, it's that I could do those things and not be worried that I was going to immediately be arrested by a cop just because I was there doing it. Yeah. That I was immediately going to be looked at a certain way or treated a certain way uh, because I wasn't white. It, it was. It's not about being given anything. It's about not being taken away from because you're not white. And it's the privilege of like being allowed to just be treated like a human. Like I would think. All people are supposed to be treated. So that's where I think for me it was hard to like, wait, that's not how other people think. There's not just like everyone should be treated fairly and have every but everything the same and have all these opportunities. And then your individual actions prove you worth it or not worth it. That there's a significant portion of people who have to go through life every single day um, being ready to be treated differently. And, I, and just, I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. That was not at all how I understood it, and I was like, oh, my God, dude, that's terrible.
0: Yeah, it took me a while to understand as well. It's weird because, you know, I'm black. Obviously, all y'all can see that. One thing I'll, I'll want to bring up, though, is that, that um, needs to be said, is that, you know, Papa Bear, he's perceived as white. Yeah. But he's not. No. So, that's like, if you can pass as white in America, you got the golden, the golden stamp. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're not going to say you're going to be good to go, but you get, you're going to avoid a lot of issues that if you were not perceived as white that you will probably hit at some point in your life. Uh, and even before, like if you look at the history of America, if, if you were like Italian or Irish or whatever, where they can tell just by your accent that you weren't, you know, an American, you would hit yeah. some of the same issues, but just wouldn't be as extreme. You know what I mean? So when people try to yeah. bring up, you're like, "Oh, well, there was we had black slaves, but oh, we had indentured, indentured servants that were, you know, Italian or Irish." Okay. So first of all, indentured servitude you can pay off your debt, and you can become free again. So if you're a slave, you can't do that. Like that that option is literally not there.
1: <laughs> well, and New Jim Crow goes into how they actually used that as a way to continue to actually, like, separate those groups and, like, reinforce that and, like, actually work towards stopping indentured servitude to ensure that there was a group of people who were close enough to the bottom end to want to make sure that they weren't the bottom.
0: Yeah, and that's actually... That trend still happens today. Like, if you see yes. the way that... uh They pit poor white Americans Towards you know Poor minority Americans Like it's very prevalent And it's like you guys are fighting for like The least amount of resources That you should be uh, getting together for And like advocating for each other To get better resources But instead um, they, They make us Fight with each other For like these dwindling resources That they fucked us out of For like the past You know hundreds of years but they'll never mention that to any of us
1: no yeah because then then you'd have an uprising of the majority of the population the poorest um, saying instead of looking at those who they want to make sure keep them from being in a worse position uh, going why do you have all of this stuff and there's this many of us with nothing and if you literally gave up like 1% of what you have to all of us we would never have to worry about it again
0: yeah. What are you doing? And that's, that's a problem that uh, yeah. they're not going to talk about because they know that, you know, if, if we all came together and, like, we're actually advocating for the same things so we can all have equal rights and, you know, equal, um, like, real equality, then things would get better for everybody, but it would also take away from a little bit of a small percentage from the people that are actually wealthy because the people that are wealthy are actually they they're they're paying less of their share into our society than people that are poor. But they 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 will never talk about that. And at the same time they will trump up all these, you know, billionaire hero worship for these people like they they will make people that are poor, brown, white, whatever, they'll make they do their hardest to make us believe that we can all get to be a billionaire someday. If, if you just work towards the quote-unquote American dream, you can become that billionaire. But the likelihood of you becoming a billionaire, especially if you're black, like, or brown, or, or if you're a minority w- whatsoever in America, it is very unlikely, very unlikely. But they teach us all that, you know, you can... Even if you're a poor white kid, it's very unlikely that you're going to become a billionaire.
1: Yeah, and so, like those exceptional individuals um, and specifically caught out is like, well look, Barack Obama was president of the United States. So if, you, if that can happen, right, then anybody can. But it, it's like that exceptional character that actually helps to reinforce the system. So they would be like, no one's going to talk about um, how it's being controlled right now because you can just point and say, oh, but look, see, uh, anybody can. And instead of making it about, uh, you know, explicitly saying it's about race, instead it has to be uh, subtle, it has to be implied, it has to be colorblind is what they keep using as the term in the, in the book, right? So you never mention that it's about race. You can't mention that it's about the color of someone's skin, but you just create rules um, that are enforced in a way that ensure that it is that. And that's kind of the way the book is going uh, about saying how we're controlling, how we still have a system of um, specific racial control, I guess is the best way to put it. Because it's not, I guess there is still a pretty significant uh, effort for segregation, but um, not explicitly, I guess. That's.
0: Yeah, it's not explicitly, but at this point in time, it doesn't really, it doesn't really need to be because all the damage has been done. Yep. You know, it's already been ingrained into our society. And, you know, what am I talking about? I'm talking about specifically uh, redlining. So we've already had, we had federal and local governments that mandated redlining, which means that there was a place for uh, minorities to live and places for white people to live. And we literally could not buy land or or home or land um, in certain areas of any city, anywhere, if you have the wrong skin tone and if you go into like, uh, racial, the next book you should probably read, read a fun book, uh, next, definitely. But th- after a fun book or two, uh, read, um, the color of law. Cause that goes into redlining in very specific detail.
1: Okay. And I, th- I think we have talked about it before. I haven't added it. I'm gonna do it right now.
0: Yeah, because it, it, it'll it'll better it'll make people better understand like. Well, why don't you know black people have money? Why do they live in ghettos? This specifically explains why black people, specifically, live in ghettos because we couldn't buy a home anywhere else.
1: That's uh, Richard Roth, Rothstein.
0: Yes, and what I like about this book, one thing I didn't like about um, the new Jim Crow. Well, maybe I didn't. Not that I didn't like it. I I don't remember after reading it that there were any sort of solution suggestions at the end of the book.
1: So, there were. And there were okay. What is and I was going I, I think we should, should go over them. I I do know some of them, and some, some of, them of them are. There were yeah. Variations or modifications to to update them because I think so. The book is the book came out in two thousand seven. Yeah. Uh, and Barack Obama had been elected so like no ability at that time when the, fir- when the first like primary publishing came out to look at the actual presidency and then evaluate afterwards yeah. um, but there, there was, was a was new forward in the version that I listened to which was like I a 10 year to edition and that yep. was nice uh, so she's like here's some of the updates to stuff and yeah it didn't change anything and <laughs> yeah. you could tell the frustration was there like you know, there was hope, but uh, people are still being incarcerated for, for drug charges, uh, specifically the preponderance of those being people of color. And it, while he was able to make it so that it closed the gap of disparity between the mandatory minimums for crack cocaine and uh, powdered cocaine, which chemically and, like, uh, as far as by, like actual drug effects are exactly the same, yeah. Um, is punished, it was a hundred times worse, um, when the book was originally written, and now is only ten times worse,
0: yeah. Which is it's still nonsense, like it's right, it's still it should be first of all, you know me, the, the war on drugs should end
1: all of it, yeah. All of it, like I don't care. <laughs> so, she says specifically, this was one of the things I was like. Ah, says that there has to be like any any individual legislative or political action taken to fix the problem will not work uh, if we don't have like a societal cultural understanding change, like how we treat each other generally. Like it won't fix it because we'll find a different way, the same way we did with Jim Crow. It might take 20 years, but somehow we'll still end up back where we are if we don't fix that core component, right? Um, and, I, and I get that. I totally agree. Long-term solution requires us to have this conversation and get society to a point where we're not colorblind, that we actually care about each other and for our culture and for our differences and respect each other, but treat each other with respect as humans. We're, we're not regardless of it, like blind to it, but understanding right um, but I, this you know me like and, and no there is absolutely legislative and actionable and like legal and political things that we can do now to like yeah fix a huge so what do you want me to do you want me to wait 20 years while dudes just rot in prison how about how about we like end the drug war and remove felonies for minor drug possession charges and that stuff is just expunged and gone and suddenly the voting population jumps by like 15
0: percent and that's that's the problem that you're highlighting the actual problem i know is because the reason why that most people do not want to end the drug war is because it would change the dynamics of who's voting in america because the vast majority of people that are in jail for minor drug crimes are minorities and if they had a chance to vote they would they would vote to better themselves just like you vote to better yourself. Like, why would you vote for something that you knew was going to put you in jail? You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't do that, right? That, that That's common sense. But I think people, they, they don't get that. And the and the problem with, like, most people that are for the drug war and for, like, just throwing people in jail, all oh, their druggies, blah, 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 blah. Honestly, why do you care? Listen, if if the problem is Oh, what if somebody gets high and beats somebody up or shoots them? We already have laws for that. We yes. have laws for murder, assault, battery, all those things. So apply those laws when they commit those, those crimes. And if, if, they, if they need to go to jail for, you know, assaulting somebody or killing somebody, then yeah, then that needs to be done. But when it comes to just like, I just got high, yeah. like, I don't – that's none of your business – People are high all the time, all the time. People are, yeah. especially right now with the uh, the opiate epidemic, like you, they're they're just they're just legally high all the time, but nobody seems to care.
1: I was really tempted to ask my brother to be on this episode, um, and I actually just messaged him again because I'm curious if he would join us for a really while. Well. The problem is, I try to I want to try to make it that our guest is someone who. Um, like, can at least have the whole conversation he hasn't read the book so that's not fair um, so we couldn't talk to him about that but like this part of it bothers me because he and I fight about this all the time like I don't see any reason uh, to punish someone for personal drug use as a crime on its own right uh, like you're just talking about there are other things if they take actions or do things or neglect or whatever just charge them for that Should you operate heavy equipment or a vehicle? No, right. if you're intoxicated, that's still a thing. What drug that, like, if we get pulled over and have an alcohol content over a legal limit while driving, I don't get a ticket or, or my license taken away for DUI and then also go to prison for drinking alcohol because it's legal, right?
0: Yeah, you just go to jail for the DUI if if you go to jail for the DUI. Yeah.
1: Just the action you took that you shouldn't have taken while you were intoxicated. Like that, that same exact law should still apply. But, but to him, he's like, like the act of taking, taking drugs, drugs is inherently bad, and we should not do it. Yeah.
0: But we all this 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 the problem that I have with that 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 mindset is if you talk about drugs, everybody in America takes some sort of drug, almost. Almost everybody. There are probably yeah, some either. people that don't take anything. That do
1: drink Mormons. coffee. What's up? Mormons.
0: Yeah, Mormons. I mean, even them. I mean, they still have low... They probably still drink coffee, right? There's caffeine in that shit. No not caffeine. Not even caffeine? No, okay. no
1: sodas, no nothing.
0: Yeah, it's just... But for most people, like, you take some sort of drug, and it happens to be legal. Right. And if they made it illegal, and you took it anyway, should you need to spend five plus years in in fear of violence in a cell for that I don't think so that's not going to make you better at all especially because the prison system is not made to rehabilitate you like we might call it you know the Department of Corrections but it's not a department they don't correct shit they perpetuate the same issue because if you go to jail and you have to check that box of have you been convicted of a felony and how are you going to get a job again like most places will not take you as an employee again and how are you going to make your money? And
1: and that's, and that's why, why to me, like, like that, that one move, move right? Rem- remove, remove the drug, the drug war and, and remove all of the, the felonies associated, associated with that. Uh, so then you don't have to check that box, right? So now you can apply for a job. Yeah. You can contribute again. We still would have to do a separate thing and fix redlining because you're probably still going back to a ghetto and you're probably still don't really even have jobs available in your area. Yeah. Um, we got a grocery store (laughs) one problem one problem at a time right so to me like knowing more about it even right all 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 reading the new Jim Crow did for me right was further enforced like give me an even deeper reason to think that there are problems with the drug war like that this is not a thing because to me initially right as just the way I grew up like this is stupid for us to be attacking people for a personal action, a thing that only affects them. And then now knowing more about what's actually happening as a result of it. And then after reading, so combining now my knowledge between, um, rise of the warrior cop and, and, um, new Jim Crow. So not knowing that all, like all the funding, like all the weapons, all of the other stuff that these SWAT teams and these like over policing, Military-like police forces are getting to comes from the drug war funding, and they're only doing the drug war stuff because it provides them with money and funding and like also stuff like that stuff would just immediately go away. Yeah, if like, so you take away the drug war and take away that drug funding,
0: so now I think you probably understand a little bit better of like why I don't like Rex Grossman, like of his whole like mindset. That's his name, right? Rex Grossman? The
1: Rise Uh, of the Warrior
0: Cop guy? Isn't that the guy?
1: No. So Grossman, Rise of the Warrior Cop... Sorry. that's Rise of the Warrior Cop was written by Balco. Oh, sorry.
0: That's the... But you're talking
1: about... um, Grossman wrote uh, On Killing and On Combat. Yes. yeah. And so, okay, so his book On Combat, and again, the parts of it for the military... Are really good. It helps us think through those Grossman. combat situations. Yeah. Dave Grossman. Yeah. Those combat situations, and then On Killing is a really, really interesting read. It's completely separate from it. And if you haven't read On Killing specifically, I would recommend it. I mean, uh,
0: I, I'm I'm Dave. going to I'm going to read them. But the problem that yeah. I have is like when he when he talks about these things, obviously when you talk about like a warrior, people that go to war. Like I, as a military guy, that's that was my job. Right you know, but when you apply those those same mentalities and you put them towards the police, it becomes a huge issue, and like the more and more you read into like these civil rights issues books, you'll see the problem of like him taking that warrior mentality and then applying it to the police.
1: so I'm gonna defend him a little, right? So what I'm gonna say is he has studied these concepts. Um, and the research he did was primarily all from a military point of view, right? Yes. And then he was then hired to then give these speeches and train these people, and, like, he's got to make money, man. He's got a job. So he's got a skill set. He can train people to do it. And if, right now, what we as a nation are saying the police are supposed to do is execute a war on our own citizens about drugs, he's just training who we as a nation are saying are our warriors at home? Yeah, but they're not. And
0: they're not war. I,
1: they, they absolutely should not be. Yeah, but he's just he's just doing a job, right? I, so like, I,
0: yeah, I know he's doing a job, but I mean, there's a lot of people so, that did their that did their job. We can go back to like I don't want to take the it. ultimate the do ultimate it. comment, but there are do people it. that did their jobs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say who. who. Walks people. Walks people from a train. Yes to a concrete building. It
0: definitely <laughs> starts with an N, and ends with an I, and they did their jobs. Yep.
1: <laughs> like, people were <laughs> supposed to think, and that's, that maybe, you know, maybe he should've stood his ground and been like, I'm not doing that. But maybe he didn't have the same level of understanding, right, like, if you had asked me when I read those books, prior to understanding more about this, like, I wouldn't have thought that was weird because what I knew the police were doing was needing to be a SWAT team and needing to go into these areas and being under attack. Like that's the way, yeah, you know, you understand it. And if you don't learn more about the situation and learn more about what's going on in life, then he may honestly have been completely ignorant to anything other than his own level of understanding. Even as a retired lieutenant colonel, what's going on inside some of our own inner cities, he probably doesn't know much about.
0: Yeah, and that, that's like the weird thing. It's like, I think that, you know, being a military member like, we, we have a lane that we should stick to. And we should probably stay in our lane. And yes, there are, there are de- there's definitely a breadth of knowledge that comes from the military that we can definitely extend towards different things. But there's still a lane that you should probably stick to. And there are things to like, you cannot... You shouldn't apply the rules of war towards a more broader aspect because war is it's very extreme and i think that when you're in the military you get desensitized to like what war actually means you know because you're you're given these you're given like a, a more relaxed view on morality yeah and that's an issue that i think that most people don't really want to talk about But we really are. Like, when it comes to, like, if somebody attacking you, it doesn't matter who the fuck they are. If they're man, woman, woman or child, like, you you can fire back. And you can kill them. And there's, like, zero consequences. But when it comes to, like, if your job is to protect your citizens, like, if literally on the side of your car they drive around every day that says protect and serve. And you think that you're at war with your own citizens. There's a huge problem there. There needs to be a different, you need to change your mindset. You're not going to war with those people. You need to protect and serve them. And that should be the mindset. And yeah, I just, I I don't like the, I don't like the the warrior mindset because outside of actual war, not bullshit war, because people are going to get hurt and killed. And it's been happening over the past, you know, 200 years because we have this, you know, this mindset of just fuck the bad guy, kill him. You know, but, but what what does the person actually do? Is it warranted of taking his life? And nobody's even thinking of not nobody. Very few, not enough, police officers are thinking about that.
1: Well, I mean, the easiest way to put it is that who are the people who would even be in a position to declare a war on drugs? They're not thinking about it, right? So they're mm-hmm. not considering where that line should be. We declare wars on drugs. We declare wars on terror, which is not even yeah. a thing, mm-hmm. like, an emotion. Um, so what's um? There's another one. There was like a, another recent. Oh, how about war on like this virus? Like even that doesn't make sense. Like
0: yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, the, war I, like the So both of us,
1: yeah. both of us are like, I'm gonna wear my mask. Both of us are getting our vaccines. Like I'm totally for like. Treating this shit seriously, but treating something with concern and like the respect it deserves, and like honest, having an honest, open conversation with about it, has nothing to do with calling it a fucking war. And a war is a war. And I, we went over in another episode how a war can or can't be justified. And nothing about this has anything to do with justified war. Right? There was no one else who attacked us. I mean, the virus kind of did. Well, maybe.
0: well, they're trying to say this is. Well, this is this is how they got away with it. Well, especially when, you know, former President Trump was there, he wanted to, like, place all the blame on China. But it's just like, I mean, I guess, man, but it's, yes, it came from China, more than likely. But, I mean, did they did they directly attack us with the virus? No, because it went worldwide. So if they tried to direct it at Just America, they fucking, they definitely failed. Especially because you know, look at how many of their citizens died, and there, when it comes to the China number, the China numbers, no, I don't believe like what they're saying, like how many people died. I t- totally don't believe it, but it doesn't take us off the hook for the deaths in America, and I think that's what most people don't really seem to get. It's like, yeah, blame China all you want, but our own ineptitude in America is causing American deaths, and it's over six hundred thousand American people have died because of our own ineptitude, because somebody doesn't want to put on a simple cloth mask. So you believe in war, in the war on the coronavirus, in the war on other things, but you're not willing to to save a life by putting on a mask? Like, you don't even understand, like, what it's like to actually make a goddamn sacrifice in America. Putting on a cloth mask is not that big of a sacrifice. It might be a slight inconvenience, but not really. My four-year-old can do it, and she's fine with it.
1: Yeah. So, vent, vented.
0: Yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> they make you so angry. <laughs> you, needed
1: it. you needed it. I feel like I feel like you didn't get to to finish last night. So. Yeah. Uh. So, so to you know, honestly, I feel like maybe we didn't actually even lay out what the book is saying is going on right now. Yeah, hold on. We went straight into
0: it. We did. Let's talk about it in about a minute and 30 seconds. I've
2: got to go to the head. Take it. So, we'll catch up. We're going to talk about the premise.
0: Well, you are the premise of the new Jim Crow.
1: Yeah, so I think um, we need to, like, at least summarize the concept, right? So... Um, there have been, according to the book, basically three eras of control within the history of the United States to include when it was colony. put that out there, too. Colonies. When it was just colonies. Um, for people, um, let's, let's call it minorities. Because um, then we can include, like you said, for some period of time, because it's part of the dialogue, Um, indentured servitudes, right? So that during the colony time, indentured servitude and slavery, two parts of the system of control for those who are minorities uh, in order to ensure cheap slash free labor, right? For huge plantations and for parts of society in order to keep the economy the way they wanted it to be. Um, So you have that period of time from slavery slash indentured servitude to just slavery because they managed to And indentured servitude in a way that makes it so that those who were the most marginalized, but as long as you weren't actually a slave, uh, continue to be in a position where they're like, we're in a really bad spot, but at least we're not the bottom. And then they keep that mindset, so they keep voting to keep whatever that is in place. Um, So then after the Civil War uh, and slavery was abolished, it took... So there was a the period during Reconstruction where the system was trying to figure itself out. So there weren't systems in place. There was, like, this flux. There was things happening. And then uh, you end up with a lot of laws getting passed that segregate people. So they specifically say, you're free, yes, but um, blacks and whites don't need to spend time together. It was specifically mentioned in most laws that it was black people, but um, some then started changing it to, say, colored, so that way it didn't... Specifically, uh, keep it from being other people of color. It's like, Like, oh wait, that's a little too specific. Maybe we want to be more, more segregated.
0: Can I interject here and give like an example of how these laws sort of worked?
1: Oh yeah, I have a really, really one of my favorite ones, but continue.
0: Okay, it might be the same one. Maybe I I have no idea because I don't know what you're gonna say. But
1: see, you go. One
0: of of the more classic ones is uh, after slavery ended. Obviously, black people in the South were supposed to be free, right? But, at the same time, you probably couldn't get a job at where you were working, right? Or where you, where you were a slave, where you were a slave person, so you had to leave there. And so they, they created a law of basically... It's sort of like loitering and not having a job. So they made a law where basically if you didn't have a job and you had nowhere to sleep or nowhere to live, then they would just throw you in jail immediately. So there was like no pass go, you just go to, if you couldn't prove that you had a job and you had somewhere yeah. to live, then they would just throw you in jail, which goes into basically you're a slave again, because that's literally what it was.
1: Yeah, because then you'd end up in uh, work camps from prison. and Which yeah. is,
0: which was even actually worse, because when you go right like,
1: back, right back on the exact same plantation you were on before.
0: Well, no, I, sometimes it wouldn't be the exact same plant. Well, you could end yes. up on that same plantation. But the, the thing was is that w- during slavery, you had a val- you had some value. This is fucking to say. You had value as a slave to the slave owner. But when yes. you were convict leased, th- you had literally zero value. So they would just lease you to another person and it would just work you to death. And they didn't care if on. you died or not. So... Yeah, so it was yeah. sort of worse than slavery.
1: Yeah, so no, so that was not my favorite. So no. there, there was it was so ridiculous. That's how 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 I find interest in this that the lawmaking at the time was so rampant with people passing laws regarding these are all Jim Crow laws, is what they're called, right? This system of segregation between. Uh, people in the country that they honestly were basically kind of competing with each other who could write the most kind of ridiculous law that would put specific things in place. So there was a law passed in not just one state, several states that specifically outlawed for a, a person, a colored person, and a white person to play chess together.
0: <laughs> wow. I didn't know that one. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you've got, you, you just can't say like, no, you, you have, have to specifically, specifically specify chess. Like, like you can't sit in the park and play chess together. Like,
0: well, I think one of the things was is, is in that specific incident or law, it's to make people think that black people were dumb, and that minorities in general were dumber than white people. So why would you want to? It, like, if you lost to a minority at chess, you might get very angry because they were minority. And they're supposed to be dumber than you. So, yeah, even to today, like, if you look at, like, IQ tests and all those other things, like, there's still people that are on the news today that will try to justify and say that people that are from Africa are stupider than people from Europe. And they will try to use very um, flowery words to make it seem like they're not racist assholes, but they're racist assholes. There's literally the, the main reason why uh, at least some Europeans are smarter than other people, which isn't generally true at all, because there's people that are smart from every walk, every single country on the planet. Yeah. But one of the main reasons why in America, why minor, minorities are not, quote unquote, traditionally as smart as other people is because you redlined us into districts where you put no money in our goddamn schools, so yeah. If you don't teach us anything, then yeah, we might be stupider than you when it comes to like actual um, traditional education in America. But if you gave us the same opportunities, then that is not going to be the case. Because if you look at like the, one of the number one groups of people groups of people in America that do like the the highest amount of academic accolades, it's they're Nigerians or Asians. You know, so this whole like the the white is the best, the Europeans are so smart, blah blah blah. It falls apart when you look at like actual like funding for schools and minorities from other countries when they come here and they happen to live in uh school districts that actually fund the school district
1: i mean just even that concept is fundamentally against. A key learning concept that you know I've learned about years ago, and and pushing and pushing to make sure that people understand today, which is the growth mindset. You know the mindset, the mindset stuff by, by Carol Dweck.
0: No, I, I I is that a book?
1: Yeah, so it's called Mindset. Carol Dweck. She spent 30 years doing research on mindset, um, and so there are only two kinds of mindsets, according to what she's talking about. There's the fixed mindset. And then a growth mindset. So, a fixed mindset believes that you have inherently a certain amount of skill at something. And if you can't do it, can't do it. So, don't try. It. Right? Yeah. So, you, you would be faced with adversity and say, well, that's just something that I'm not good at. That's fine. I'll just do things I'm good at. Um, and a growth mindset person would say, I'm not good at that yet. Yet yeah, that's something I am interested in being good at, and it's something I want to do and I find joy in that, so I'm gonna work my ass off and I'm gonna get good at it. Yeah. And you can't believe that you can do that if you have a fixed mindset. You would just think, well, that's just not something I'm good at. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to the things I'm good at. Um so I don't know. To me, there's no such like obviously a fixed mindset is an incorrect mindset. Yes. to me.
0: Yeah.
1: You have to have a growth mindset. Anybody can do anything they want to do. Uh, if that's something important to you, you yeah. want to be an amazing basketball player and you're five foot seven, like, like me. Like Bugs did it. Uh, uh, yeah, Bugs <laughs> yeah, was only like five three, right?
0: Yeah, he was pretty short.
1: But you just become an amazing position player. You become an amazing shooter. Like you shoot three-pointers. You just develop your skill. And at and some, some point, point, too, when we, we talk about mindset, mindset it, it transitions to flow. And, like, like you, you just become, become really good at getting the into flow, flow. And you, you can see, see everything everyone's doing. doing. You're, You're in flow, flow, in flow, flow you the whole game. And you just, just crush them because you, you can anticipate their moves. moves. You can see, see from, from their little little movements, like, everything. And you just get that good. So you choose to do that, right? But if you have a fixed mindset, you just feel stuck. There's actually a girl that I went to high school with named Carol Riley. Uh, who's uh, She's like in one of the most uh, advanced in the field of AI right now. It's pretty crazy. But she wrote a book about mindset for kids, like wrote a kid's book because to her it was so important. She wanted to make sure that there was lots of really cool opportunities for kids to read about it and learn from it. Um,
0: and she lives in Mountain View, which is not far from me. She's Asian, right? Yeah. I'll just look it up. So I'm not yeah, we, to, we, we went to
1: we went to Mountain View High School, <laughs> School actually too, which is crazy.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious because she lives in. I used to live in Mountain we View, in Mountain Beach, Mountain, Beach, yeah.
1: yeah, 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 different <laughs> place, but yeah. went to Mountain View High School. Um, so, did you see her book?
0: Uh, no, I just I literally just looked her up. I uh, know she's in robotics, haptics, and skill learning. But yeah. why her book?
1: Because because so like <laughs> connecting the two, right? Connecting the two thoughts. So if you're involved in AI like she is so she's very much focused on like advancing the way computer systems intelligence stuff works right with robotics mm-hmm. you couldn't develop an AI that should be able to uh, analyze information analyze the inputs, learn from those, and then become better at whatever it's learning about if you don't believe that <laughs> you can learn. And become better, right? At whatever it is you're learning, like so. Those two just obviously make sense together. So, it, I'm sorry, it was, I just made that connection. I honestly just made that. Just I was like, oh shoot! Like, she, she does AI and believes in growth mindset and wanted to write a book about. I was like, you can't make a good AI unless you believe in growth mindset.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, something that I realized like recently, like one of the things that I realized when I was reading or listening to can't hurt me, is that I just got too comfortable. In my career right now. And I've I've known this for like the past probably two. Maybe three years. I've gotten too comfortable. And I need to get uncomfortable again. And like learn some new shit. So like I know like what I'm good at. I'm definitely good at. But I need to learn like new stuff. Like I never had. uh, I never cared about like coding at all. Because I just didn't enjoy it. But I think I might actually like. Try to like. Learn some coding because I, I can do like one liners and loops and stuff in Linux, but after that, I'm just like, ah, it's complicated. You know, I'm good at what I'm good at, but at the same time, it's yeah. like, why am I this gonna make my job easier? So, why would I not
1: do that? It's kind of dumb. Where are you thinking about starting? Where, like, what coding are you thinking? Like, what specific uh language, I guess, do you think about starting with?
0: Well, I i know I, 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 I tried a little bit of Python earlier, but whatever makes my job easier, <laughs> like. Really just learning how to, like... So, I, when I go through... I have to go through, like, a lot of logs. All the time. So, if I learned how to, like, script and code better... To, like, just... Go through logs faster. Of things that I'd normally look for in logs. I should probably do that. You know? Because it yeah. make my job easier. And make, like, my uh, colleagues' jobs easier. And I know there's, like, a bunch of folks that I work with... That have made a bunch of tools... That have made our jobs easier. But it's like, why... Why shouldn't I just do that?
1: Like yeah, I, w- I would think either Visual Basic directly itself or mm-hmm. C Sharp probably would be the one of the first two places to maybe start. Okay, oh, yeah. um, that's where Logan. So it was so funny because he and I spent like several years learning C Sharp together, but then when he did his first like computer languages class, he had to learn like C plus and C plus plus, and he's like, "Shit, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to think dumber. Hold on, uh, how would I?" have to write out this 15 line code thing because we realized at some point we do that a thousand times in any code like let's just make that a single line (laughs) and so like c sharp has a lot of those shortcuts uh and so he's like i hate this so he and i literally sat one day for like two hours in his room trying to figure out how to break down what both he and i obviously knew what the code needed to be to like do the simple thing that we're trying to do is like yeah, but how do you write that in C plus <laughs> <Just> plus? <look. sighs> Let me look it up. Because it's it's at that you know in the C sharp point you're like shortcut codes. You write this shorthand piece and it runs a you know, full process. So yeah, but yeah. C sharp C sharp's a good language, um, and then Visual Basic is like the output of it, which I think probably would help more with your logs.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the logs that I go through, I, I don't know if it matters, but it's it's mostly Linux logs. And, like, uh, now I have to get into, like, ESX logs, which is a lot VMware. But, yeah, I, I could still do the same thing and, like, extrapolate it in that. But it's just, like, I yeah. just need to... I'm good at my job, but I, I can make it easier. Like, why not just make it easier, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's, like, started, one of the things. Yeah.
1: I started with freaking original html so i mean that's yeah <laughs> don't, don't do that yeah that's, don't yourself.
0: Well, that's funny because like when i started doing my computer work like when i was in the marine corps like the main thing the first thing that i would learned like the, the complicated thing that i learned was like actually networking so i started with like networking
2: <laughs> yeah
1: like cisco just the regular cisco interface yeah
0: cisco and then we had the uh what was that damn the d the d said you know that's like yep. probably super old by now
1: Um, same structural concept. they just replace it with newer components but yeah
0: yeah and then I did that and went to like you know disaster recovery and civilian life and then storage area networks and like all this stuff and it's just like I just kept it running but it's like why don't I just make stuff kind of easier and like learn some things that I'm not comfortable with anymore because I'm super comfortable with storage but I need to like refresh my mind and like get uncomfortable again
1: yeah, I had had one of my instructors ask me the day. was like, "Sir, how are you so smart?" <laughs> yeah, <just> keep it going. It's <laughs> yeah, a lot of work. There's yeah. a lot of work. He's like, I read a lot. And it was funny because she she asked the question actually like this: "Like, why are you so smart? Is it because you read a lot? Is it because you're like you've got a lot of experience? Is it because you're always trying to learn new things? Is it because you talk to a lot of people and try to get the stories?" I said, "Yes."
0: Yeah, it's all those things.
1: You have to do all those things, man. Like yeah. you can't you can't just focus on one. You have to keep learning, to keep trying. Um, think about stuff. Like literally. So one of, you know, um so I've created four rules. Uh, we need to get back on topic, but I will tell you my four rules. And I got these straight out of powerful teaching. It's not something I have created. So rule number 1 is take time to think.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? So not just when I ask you a question, I want you to take 30 seconds and think about your answer. But every once in a while, like just stop and analyze what you're thinking about and think about your day and just take time to make connections between things. Because if it was important enough for you to remember at the end of the day, you probably should make a a meaningful connection to that information. Anyways. And then hold on,
0: put a pin in that real quick. If you ever notice, like on this podcast, um, people that know me from the other podcast, Like, you know, things kind of come back and forth sort of quicker. But on this podcast, there are definite pauses in conversation because we either one of us has to, like, think about what we're going to say (laughs) and, like, actually think about what the other person asked us. So, yeah, just take a second to think.
1: What you know what that is an indicator of?
0: Well, I respect you. And when you ask me a question, like, I need to, like, you know, really think about, like, what you're asking me. It's not it's not a surface-level answer.
1: Usually not. Yeah. It means we're both good listeners. Try to be. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of people are already, the moment they finish whatever they're saying, they're already thinking about what what they're planning to be the next thing they're going to say. And so they don't even hear what that person's response was to what they had to say and a good listener um you know pays attention to what the other person says i actually we did like a tactical decision game sort of thing but more on morals and, and moral compass stuff and there was like they give this scenario hey this marine's got a whole lot of personal issues going on and what are some things that you could do to help that marine out right and uh you know people gave some good examples and and i i at some point, finally, I was like, okay, they haven't said this yet. I want to mention this. I was like, so a lot of people think um, or, or usually respond, which, which no one had yet, which was kind of, I don't know, good or bad. <laughs> like, oh, we talked to them about their problems, All right? Because you should have them talk about their problems. But when you say, I'm going to talk to them about their problems, you just said, I'm going to talk. Yeah. What you need to do is shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah, You need to engage with them, but then – be an active listener, like learn how to get them to vent because it's not about you talking that helps them. You don't need to tell them how to fix their life. In most cases, when people have a whole lot of shit going on, they have a pretty good idea what's going on with their life and they, they know what they want to do. They just need to vent. They need to like get it out and fucking cry maybe even, right? And then they'll be like, okay, I'm ready to handle this thing. Thanks for all your help. And you're like, I didn't do shit but sit here and listen to you, bro, but <laughs> cool. And but the, like. And a lot of these are all corporals and sergeants, right? It's like guys, you guys are at the front line of this stuff. You need to learn to listen. Like, talk to them enough to get them to start talking and then shut up. Like and just be there, you know? So. Well
0: yeah, especially like in the military because, you know, if somebody's coming to a superior to talk about their problems, it's like there's like a there's a there's there's an additional barrier that I think that if you're civilian a civilian listening to this podcast like coming to like a superior in the military and talk about your issues like that's a huge hurdle and if you and if somebody like will actually sit down and actually listen to you like yeah, that's probably all that they need to do like for like a lot of people it's like this person's listening to me, they might have some feedback, but just like getting it out there is is a big deal so i I've been through like you know therapy and just like me talking through my own issues with somebody else that I don't know it's like that that's a huge step
1: yeah. so and after how we were
0: uh your second thing about god damn it yeah we went fun. Rules, rules rules yes rules you had two rules
1: uh it's four rules I'm not even four going. rules sorry Jesus. it was mostly related to that first one which was take time to think the other ones are like related to classroom stuff it's be willing to get out of your comfort zone and um uh, ask questions and it, you're not alone like ask your peers and your instructors for help so like it's some basic stuff, but the first one was one I really wanted to hit on, which was take time to think, which was one of the things we were kind of talking about.
0: Yeah, and this this comes back to you know New Jim Crow because I think that a lot of people that when they hear about issues in America, when it comes to like racial issues, it's so easy for you to dismiss them because if you have a high school education, um, you're not you're not even aware of these issues like at all, and I don't fault people for not knowing it but i do fault them to where if i say something that i know is true and they say it's not true then you're in the wrong and if you don't want to do the research and like really look it up um then you're you're a fool to me and i I was a fool before probably i think i started on like this whole journey maybe like a year and a half ago where i was just like man like it's just fucked up i was like why is it messed up like why do why, when I walk into certain places, do people not welcome me the way that I should be welcomed? Or they think that I don't belong there? Or um, they, they will say certain things to me that would make me uncomfortable, but then I would, like, kind of ignore it. And that's when I started, like, looking stuff. And then, like, the stuff with, um, I think it, it might have started with, like, Trayvon Martin, like, a couple years back and I saw like the way that you know he got he was murdered and then I saw like the blowback with you know certain people that were my well I thought were my friends and they were just like yeah he deserved to die and I was just like what like could you imagine like some kid could you imagine walking up on some kid and then as a grown ass man getting into a fight with them and then shooting and killing them you initiated the confrontation, and then because you were gonna lose a fight, you shot and killed them as a grown man. Like, and that's when I was like, people that people think that what they what he did was correct. I'm like, no, like the the guy that killed Trayvon Martin, like he was totally in the wrong. And then when he got off, I'm like. He was found not guilty because it's uh, bullshit standing ground law. It's like, man, like, what? And then I was starting to, like, review, like, my life. That's when it started. And I was just like, this is, like, really messed up. And, like, seeing, like, former friends of mine just like, yeah, he deserved to die. You know, he's a thug, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but nothing, like, how was he a thug? And then, like, the media going through and, like, going through his whole life. Oh, he got into a fight when he was in high school or, you know, he had marijuana in his system. I'm just, none of that matters. That was a kid. He wasn't even a man yet. And you snuck his life out. And you're justifying why this grown man picked a fight with a kid and then lost a the fight and then shot and killed him. And I was like, there's a serious problem with empathy in America. And that's when I started going on the journey of like figuring out like what is really wrong with America.
1: Well, and I think that's where she was going towards the end of the book saying until we fix that problem like the empathy piece like understanding and caring for each other honestly and truly as like other humans uh you're not gonna fix it now yep I agree but I also think there are actionable items that we can fix today to like significantly improve a huge number of lives and then let's work on this other problem um you know i i don't think i have a good analogy but i'm pretty sure if i take a second i can come up with one where it would explain the idea of like not saving someone right now because well long term we need to like save everyone like well <laughs> like can we not also fix this right now and yeah. then let's work on that thing
0: <laughs> yeah people are are very singular in issues like they're like, you can either do this or not that. It's like, no, you can literally do both. Yeah. Like, there's no there's no issue with, like, doing both.
1: Are <laughs> caring yeah, this, about both, you know? That's where I look at it. I, I think... Sorry. I think there should totally be a way to fix the incarceration issue. Because I don't think we actually got there yet. Hold on. So. Fix, fix the issue with that, people yeah. in prison... And and then fix the society problem. Okay, so end of end of slavery goes to Jim Crow, which is where we talk about you end up with so many laws that are like completely weird and to the point of people not being able to play chess together, right? Yeah. Um. So then, civil rights movement, nineteen um, sixties, um, LBJ, woo, right? That's my favorite. <laughs> Go back and check out our best president ever. Someone did uh, bring up a good contender. I can't remember what they said. Um, I think it was FDR. And then um, that's who I thought you
0: were going to pick when we did the po- When we did that podcast, I thought you were going to pick FDR, like hundred percent. And I was very surprised when we both picked the same person.
1: <laughs> so the the only problem that I have with using FDR is that it's unfair to compare someone who got to do like five freaking terms or something crazy yeah (laughs) because he he didn't bother to follow the rules everybody else decided to follow to the point that someone had to like say dude you're done and we need a constitutional amendment to tell the next president you're not doing that again um so like he had so much time so if you compare numbers like it's impossible to scale him and his time and the influence he had in comparison to anybody else so yeah he did a lot um but I, yeah, I think that with, especially the situation put in, LBJ got some stuff done. So civil rights movement and Jim Crow's debt. Like, hey, you can't pass laws that specifically restrict people from being able to do these things based on any of that stuff. Uh, so now that it can't be explicitly stated in any laws, so then everybody's got to f- figure out the system, i say. Not everybody, because a lot of people were like, OK, fine. Um, and she does cover in the book, which is really great, that a lot of people were honestly like good-intentioned when doing all of these things that now looking at it seems stupid and terrible. You're like, why would you think that? But the amount of information, like we talk about being ignorant to something, right? The amount of information and the experience that they had told them that this is a group of people that needed our support and our care and our whatever. Like, This is what they thought. Um, and so they feel like they're taking care of this group of people when what they 're really doing is uh, marginalizing them right and keeping them in their their sphere, not allowing them to blossom and be their own so, um, so we leave Jim Crow, but there's like a gap of period where the system has to again flex itself and, and figure out how do I still continue to um, keep those people marginalized, and then we basically they start realizing uh, and passing some laws for felons and then start the drug war, right? And so the drug war specifically then targets drug use as a felony, puts people in prison for doing drugs, uh, being around drugs, having anything to do with drugs, uh, imprisoning people that are near people who saw drugs, like, (laughs) it's insane. Um, And then putting a lot of money behind it and then basically taking it from... And and what's really interesting, I think I learned out of it, too, was like it's not just about the prison time. So say mandatory minimum for whatever that drug use was, was five years. So you're going to spend five fucking years in prison, marked as a felon, and then you get out, and you're on probation. So for the whole time you're on probation, you're also in a marginalized status, um, and you will forever be marked as a felon because of the felony. And so you are forever basically... Um, not able to vote, you're a secondary citizen. Like we basically changed uh, terminology, right? So we stopped saying slave, we stopped saying colored uh, because those are the things we used to then marginalize those people. Um, And instead we just say felon. So are there felons who should be marginalized? Yes, but um, it shouldn't be for this mass system that we're able to put out there for like regular shit everybody does. Um, and then Target them so that we can then call them felons and keep them from voting and keep them from being able to in society. So uh, the system now that is being used to keep people marginalized is mass incarceration. So that's the term she used uh, to Define the new Jim Crow Is that a good summary?
0: Yes, it is a good summary and I'll, I'll make a couple of notes on there so when we talk yeah. about the people that are have been mass incarcerated. This is from a 2019 study from uh, the JEC, and basically the amount of felons we have in America exceeds 24 million people as of 2019. So these are people that have had their, their rights stripped away. Like, it doesn't matter what they did. And yes, you might want to say, oh, when, when I say... People people that are in jail are felons. Most people think that felons are, like, violent criminals. The vast majority of people in jail are not violent criminals. The vast majority of them are people that have committed some sort of drug crime. Yeah. And to me, like, I don't care. Like I said before, if you want to get high, I don't care. Just don't commit, like, a violent crime after that or, you know... Take care of your kids. Shit like that. Like, you, like, take care of your life. There's been so many people that I know. Like, I drink almost daily. And I take a break in October. <laughs> and first sober October. But for the vast majority of the time, like, I, I drink. You know? That's something I, I enjoy to do. But if, you know, if it was illegal, I'd be in jail as well. You know? And I think a lot of people in America, they do some sort of drug. But so, what if the drug that you did put you in jail?
1: Yeah. When is October?
0: October. obviously it's not October, but yeah. I thought oh.
1: it's in September also time. isn't
0: it? Well I guess it depends. Well, actually fuck, I guess I don't know. If you say it's in September, maybe I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure it's in October.
1: So I think it's originally in September or started, in September or started happening in September. In September. So, so do you you, you take October, October off from drinking?
0: Uh, of pretty much every drug except for maybe caffeine. So uh,
1: yeah, I didn't ask for additional specifics. That, that alludes
0: to things. Yeah,
1: I'm just saying. Because uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I would think, think like if, if Oktoberfest was in October, October, like holy shit! As much as, much as, as we're interested, interested in beer, beer, both of us, yeah, you would want to have a beer, beer in October. Oktoberfest.
0: I could also pick a different month, but sober October rhymes. So you it, know. Does. it does. So yeah, I, I try to uh, stop, except for like, I think melatonin is like one of the ones that I usually do in October because I need, like sleeping for me is difficult. Yeah. So uh, I, I take melatonin, but I think maybe this year I'll probably try not to take melatonin and I'm, I might just have to fucking like work out a lot. I have to
1: work well, out a lot, a lot. <laughs> so you drop, no BHB either or like just literally no supplements, no anything?
0: Mm, I do take it's supplements because I'm old. So yeah, yeah.
1: like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take joint supplements. Like, dude, you're, you're gonna, your knees are gonna hurt all month. Why yeah. would you do
0: that? Yeah, I definitely take. Yeah, uh, you know, I take my, my normal supplements right now. It's like, uh, I take Zeflamed for my joints. I take uh, uh, D three because I'm black and I don't absorb the sunlight as much, and I'm de- and I have depression. Uh, I take a general supplement from uh, Ritual, and what was the last one? Oh, I take a nootropic from uh, Alpha Brain from Onnit, and I think that's it. I used to take a whole bunch more when I was bodybuilding. I took f- way more. I, t- I was taking like upwards of like fifty plus pills a day.
1: Not to mention how many powders and drinks and yeah. other things. Yeah, because yeah. I was doing all this thing. and
0: BHP and yeah and uh, what was the other one? That comes with like amino energy, amino acids and some other shit. But yeah.
1: Did I, did I tell you my commanding officer the other day told me I look like a little boy now?
0: <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Because <laughs> like I got here and I was like way bigger. I was definitely heavier. Like I definitely was more kind of like jacked. Like I was definitely bigger muscles but also way heavier, right? Yeah. So I kind of made it a goal, you know, over the last year or so to Definitely slim down,
0: yeah,
1: and lean, get lean. And so he's like, saw me the other day. Was like, you, did you lose weight? You're like, you slimming up? I was like, yeah, I've lost probably about forty pounds. He's because like, you were like, you were like, <laughs> Jack, you got right here right? I was like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty big, pretty big. He's like, you look, you look kind of like a little boy now. I was like, wow. I would assume, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I would assume the the gray hair. And the glasses yeah. kind of not, not give you that impression, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, that, uh, well, no, I'm, I'm just being – I was like, I, I understand your point. And it's not – he was – we have a pretty good relationship. He was joking around with me. you know, yeah. you're like, you're losing a lot of weight. I'm like, hey, look, that's what the Marine Corps wants me to be apparently because you're telling me I'm overweight. So maybe you should fix Marine Corps.
0: Well, and it's also as you age, you should probably lean out. Like the extra muscle, like yeah, it looks cool, but like it's a burden on your body. I feel Got it, yeah. I, I, I talk about the rock all the time. Well not all the time. I talk about the rock all the time with my with my girlfriend. Right, my my partner. I'm just like the rock is in really good shape, but the guy is pushing age. Like he needs to I, he needs to lean the fuck out or he's gonna die early. And she's just like, Well I'm like, Yeah, like you're not when I talk about people that are overweight. It's the same people that have like 80, plus pounds of muscle on them. They're overweight too. You still have to pump blood through all those fucking blood vessels and your body is not designed to keep up that sort of physique for that long. And as you age, and your joints, you
1: understand that. And your joints have to carry that weight around. Yeah. Like your knees and your feet and your ankles are gonna suffer from you carrying that weight around. And again, there's a as long as there's a trade-off, like you have a purpose for that weight, then you're probably fine. And I know that you know the Rock, like, Ray Johnson, keeps himself in very good shape. So like he, I'm sure he's taking care of his joints. He's eating all the right stuff, but like, it, at some point, it's well, that's gonna matter.
0: One thing I'll, I'll, I'll leave a sort of caveat. Do you think the Rock can touch his toes?
1: No. So he's probably. not in
0: good. To me, he's not in good shape.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, he, he might be able to shoot it. I, bet, I bet he does yoga
0: I don't think he does <laughs> I do yoga a lot I'm just saying I can touch my fucking toes. <laughs> touch
1: my toes shoot I can touch my toes on a day when I did 100 deadlifts the day before nice that's like
0: mobility as you age mobility I'll, should so be your so
1: last few days so sore last few days yeah. we did oh actually I didn't tell you yet so we did on Monday we did um, 10 sets of 10 deadlifts at 135 with 100-meter 100 run in between each one. So you do 10 deadlifts, 135, 100 meters, back. 10 deadlifts, like you do as fast as you can. You got to do 10 sets. So it's that's a 100 deadlifts
0: yeah.
1: at 135. 135 is not hard to deadlift. I can but deadlift four of them. It's the frequency, but, though.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's a lot of reps. Yeah. So like the next day, I was like, oof, my knee kind of hurts. And like, I'm, I'm tighter than I've been in a while. Like, oof, that was a good chip challenge. And then we got a pool that same day and did a, um, a memorial workout for the 13 Marine, 13 service members that died in Afghanistan. And we did 13 laps at the pool. That's a hundred meters each. So that's 1300 meters. That's a lot, yeah. Each, each hundred meter. So each lap get, you do 13 gutter ups. So it's like a pull up. So you go under the water, holding onto the edge of the pool, mm-hmm. pull yourself up and then muscle up like all the way up out of the pool. Right, so you go to from pulling to pushing, yeah. So, cutter ups 13 of those, get out of the pool on the last one, right? Do 13 air squats and then do 13 crunches punches, and then start your neck flat and do that 13 times. So, that's pretty, it's pretty tired. And I, I did mine obviously like in camis. So.
0: No, that that is a lot. One of the things that like it's crazy for me is like when I do. So, obviously, like right now, like, I, I'm cycling focused for like most of my workouts. And you were slaying anyway, the
2: cycle.
0: Yeah, and in and, and yoga. Like I do cycling and yoga. So, that's my, my comfort zones: is cycling and yoga. Yeah. But the other day, I was like, I was asking uh, my little one, my four-year-old, almost five. I was like, okay, we're going to do like a workout together. Like what do you want to do? Because we haven't worked out in a while. We do, we've done walks and stuff, which is fine. But we're going to do like a Peloton workout. And I was like, all right let's just do a longer one. Because, like, we usually do, like, a bunch of, like, five-minute ones or ten-minute ones together. Like, we'll just do, like, a 30-minute one and, like, let's see how this goes. Like, a family workout. So she nice. did really well. She took, like, very few breaks. I did the whole yeah. thing. And the next day, my, my my legs were like, what did you just do? I'm like, motherfucker, I cycle all the time. Like, why are you, why are you sore? <laughs> like,
1: what is and that what one is, extra set? Like...
0: It was is different sorts of because I'm my body's used to like cycling, not like yeah. squats and jumpings and jumping and burpees and
1: you know. I'll tell you what, do you ever do plyo? I used to, yeah, with like 90 X, yeah. Yeah, I, like I, I never hurt so much, and I was weightlifting all the time at the time. Yeah. The day I did plyo, like the next day, I'm like, holy sh- Why am I so sore? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um. Tearing new muscles. So, back on subject, where yeah. are we at?
0: So, new Jim Crow. Um, The things that, like, really opened my eyes was, like, realizing that America has been so enamored and used to enslaving. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. It's just enslaving people and using their cheap labor or free labor for the betterment of America. And it's happening today. And that most Americans don't realize this. So when people go... To, like, when I talk about uh, today, and I say that people are still slaves today in America, and I'm like, no, they're not. I'm like, yes, they are. They're, they're still slaves today. When they go to jail, they force them to work jobs for corporations like McDonald's and Walmart and a bunch of other companies out there. You can look it up. They, they force them to work for these corporations for pennies on the dollar, and the corporations are making money, they're making profit off of their labor because they're in jail. And it's like, listen, if, if you're in jail, you're supposed to be corrected. You're not supposed to be a money-making machine for a corporation. It should be illegal, but it's not illegal. And when you bring it up, people are like so mad. Oh, well, they're, they're in jail. They committed a crime. What crime did they like to commit? You, first of all, you don't even care. I know you don't care. But if you looked it up, it's not what you think it is. It's not like some violent crime. Like, there, yes, there are a lot of people in jail for violent crimes. But the vast majority of them are not in jail for violent crimes. And when I bring that up, people are just, they shut down. They don't want to look up the actual statistics. The stats are, it's mostly for drug crimes. They're, it's a crime upon themselves. And that's, it's ridiculous.
1: I'm trying to think of, like, in a, a close enough, like, I guess something that's not so stupid that, but I want it to be stupid, of an example to say if suddenly we made something illegal, like, that you would look at that and go, well, that's, they shouldn't be doing that because it's a law. But then you'd be like, well, it's still realistic enough to think that it would happen, right? Because if I said, like, if suddenly you couldn't wear low-top sneakers, and that's illegal. You're just gonna to go to prison, and suddenly everybody who does so is a felon. Like,
0: well, I don't wear low top sneakers. Actually, I am.
1: But <laughs>
0: that's the thing, though, is that people will be like, "Well, I don't do it, so fuck them."
1: Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> but but why is there something wrong with that? Like, why is what is wrong with that choice for them to do so personally? So the the one counterpoint to drug use, right, and. It still being a thing that is detrimental to their personal health and their own actions. So, for one, like we recently shifted the laws, right, to be twenty-one years old before you can smoke or drink. So we moved smoking to from eighteen to twenty-one in
0: Cali- Some spots in California, yes. Not not a federal law now. Is a federal law for twenty-one? Yeah, yeah. I'm all yeah.
1: world. So yeah, yeah. It is now. It is now twenty-one is the federal law. Wait, are
0: you talking about smoking tobacco or smoking cannabis? Tobacco. Really? Yes. I thought it was just in like San Francisco, but okay, okay, that's fine.
1: Federal law. Twenty-one years old. Wow. Like, dudes in Okinawa are like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's so like, so totally different topic. Maybe it's whole own podcast. I don't care what that law is. If you can sign up to join the military and fight and die for your country, you should be able to do any of the things that are legal for someone who's older. So maybe that's its own subject. But if we're saying because of developmental concerns, right? So there's pretty good research shows you don't really stop growing or stop developing until later. So maybe we don't want to allow people to use things that would limit their growth and limit their development, potentially making them less capable of contributing to society Hmm. we don't want to say it's an okay thing until they're 21 right that's what that's that's why they made those changes okay um but then we're going to come back to that in a second but okay and that might need to be its own as well (laughs) (laughs) that bothers the shit out of me but uh but you're 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 totally developed well enough to vote
0: yeah and yeah and fight for Uh, the country
1: yeah right you make you're you're competent enough to make that decision anyways um, I think that then those others should be able to be there but there there's the concern that once you go into more like serious ones probably beyond marijuana like that's probably not one that people talk about we talk about you get involved with cocaine you get involved with heroin you get involved with um, methamphetamines right so like something that's a lot harder like you're really pushing kind of the limits of what your body can handle that you probably have something beyond a criminal issue you have a a psychological issue you have something a mental health issue that is probably a reason you're seeking this feeling a reason that you're seeking um this activity right and and rather than prosecuting it as a criminal act we should be looking at it as a a mental health issue like can we provide them with support and counseling and how do we get them from where they are now to a place where they understand themselves better and understand why they seek that and maybe could get them away from this um, artificial thing that potentially damages their body and towards something helpful and positive and good for themselves and maybe better self-aware
0: okay so two points the yes. first one was um if you're thinking about like developmental issues with people. So one of my main points is if you talk about development, development issues, yes, study shows that when you're 25 years old, especially as a male, that's when you should be developmentally ready to do whatever. But at the same time, where's our metrics to see if you're developmentally able to do anything at 25 years old. We have literally zero. There's zero metrics to show that at 25 years old, you're good to go. So I, I don't like that. It's not your argument. It's like it's society's argument.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's a shitty argument because we, we have zero. There's literally no um, like bar when you hit 25 that says that, oh, you're good to go. Like it, it doesn't exist. So why, are, why do we have that there? You can make shitty decisions when you're 40.
1: It's because people are done with college. And they're done making all the dumb decisions. So, oh, it they must, must they have, have got smarter. smarter no, nah,
0: I mean, I never went to college, but but I'm also kind of half retarded. So there's that. Um, and there was something else that you said, goddammit, like a couple seconds ago, right before I started talking. And I um,
1: I while you get there. So maybe part of it too is, like, right, and this was a thought I had a couple days ago when I was thinking about the fact that we're moving the... These ages older is like is this a slow progression towards uh, reducing the overall voting population, right? Like, are we trying to take away from uh, franchise enfranchisement for a specific like age group uh, for those who are eligible, right? So let's say even even though we're already limiting those who can vote, uh, even for those who aren't felons already what if we make it so that they can't vote until they're 21 or 25, like start keep creeping that age a little bit older. We start making that voting population smaller, making them older. Making them... So I was like, are they working on that? Like, is this a slow roll like future plan kind of concept?
0: Yeah. That's a plan that I don't, I don't know that I really appreciate because I had different needs when I was in my twenties than in my forties. And I think that people in their twenties, they should vote for the needs that they have now. Because they don't know the needs that they're going to have when they're 40. No, and, so, like, and I think that that's a, that's a huge issue when it comes to like, generational shifts. Is that we forget that when we were in our 20s, we had different needs. We just think about like right now. Like, what we need right now. I'm like, yeah, we definitely have different needs than when we were in our 20s. But the people in their 20s, they still need to exist with the needs that they have then. You know, or like at there right now. And I think it is very ambivalent of us older folks to, like, poo-poo on them because they're younger than us. And, yeah, I get it. Yeah, definitely. A lot of us have, you know, more – some of us have more knowledge than them. But a lot of us, we made really crappy decisions with our lives. And now we're going to look upon them like they're not going to make bad decisions um, I think the better route to go is to maybe try to mentor them if they even want it and if they don't want it then it's fine because we didn't want it when we were in our 20s did we? Be honest with yourself when you're in your 20s, how much do you listen to your parents? When you were in your teenage years how much do you listen to your parents?
2: None.
0: Yeah. So give them the same rights that you had when you're at that age You know, and I'm saying that because I have it's going to get kind of messed up My 18-year-old daughter didn't call me on my birthday for the first time ever. Usually, she's with me on my birthday. She didn't call me. Mm -hmm. She called me like two days ago, maybe. We talked. She didn't even realize that she forgot my birthday. And that's like typical self-centered teenage shit.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah,
0: I didn't call her out. I didn't even mention it. That, hey... My birthday was, you know, a couple weeks ago. You didn't call me. It was whatever, you know.
1: Better man. Better man than me. (laughs) My birthday's coming up and I'm thinking he ain't going to (laughs) call.
0: I hope he does call. All
1: right. I hope he does too. I, He might. He's a good dude. But like, yeah, if he didn't, next time he did talk to me, I'd be like, oh, now you want to talk to me, huh? I'm trying to. You need something? You need
0: something? What's going on? I know. I know, man. It's. It's. This is I was thinking the same way and I was like it'd be so easier for me to like to do that, but it's like would it would it help our relationship or like distance us further?
1: Yeah. Alright. So I'll get up. because of this conversation I'll probably now have to force myself to be
0: But he's probably okay. gonna call you. So you'll be alright. Huh? He's probably gonna call you.
1: <laughs> Maybe. I'll be building an arcade cabinet and I won't answer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, these are things like as we get older, like we don't we don't think about. It. Same thing with like when I, when I was younger. Getting back to on topic is like all the issues that I had to deal with, with uh, like racism throughout my entire life. I was just like, you know what, this is just the way shit is. Um, I remember like the first time I really realized like racism in America was like when I was in like early grade school. And I got treated differently than the other kids. When I say other kids, I mean like white kids. <laughs> when I was in, in, in elementary school. And I, I got harsher punishments for anything that I did. I got suspended way quicker. I, they failed me in the first grade even though I had passing grades. Um, they never gave me a, any reason why. They just, they just failed me even though I passed. And that's when I didn't really care about school anymore. You know, that's when I went down my own path. And I was like, I'm I'm just going to figure it out on my own. But there was, like, a whole bunch of issues. Even, like, past, you know, school and even in the Marine Corps. Like, I, I've seen, like, a lot of, like, veteran Marines and even, like, Marines that are in the Marine Corps talk about, like, you know, racism. And they're like, well, there's no racism in the Marine Corps. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, they always say, like, when I see people say that, it's mainly white dudes that say there's only Green Marines. I'm like, no, you only heard the first part of the statement that I heard. When I was in boot camp, they said there's no racism in the Marine Corps, there's only Green Marines and dark Green Marines. Did you just nod your head? Yeah. I'm not the only fucking person that heard this shit. Alright? So, if you want to talk about there's no racism in the Marine Corps, what I just said, if it doesn't click with you, then... You don't, you don't get it. Like, we were the other.
1: You know? It's, there's another other. Um, and and luckily, I mean, so some so of those... You know, all those, women. That's
0: the other. <laughs>
1: yeah. Luckily, luckily yeah. a lot of those, like, terms are gone. Like, you can't say that shit no more. Um, and again, while that seems like it's a superficial thing to say, don't say that,
2: right?
1: It's not. What we say becomes what, what we, we do. Yep. What we, we say it becomes it how we think. We so if we say see. out loud to each other, don't, don't say that. that. That's, That's not right. right. We shouldn't it think should that, that way. Uh, eventually, it, it becomes a part of you, too, right? Um, I've always felt that people are who they are, and based on their actions, not based on anything else. But that doesn't mean institutions can like keep that from being a part of it when certain people do feel that way, right? Especially if that person is responsible for an organization or responsible for people and they like influence how it is that they think and act. So I do feel like there's much, much like, like the, the country, much, much like the United States, States the goal, the intention, the purpose, the, like, the, all of the, like, uh, what, what am I trying to say, like, what what you want, want it to be is, is this thing. What when you, you say, say that it is is, is this thing. But, like, like there's still so a long way to get, get there. there. Having, having a goal, goal having I mean, an objective, having, like, a, a thing you want to be um, doesn't make that what you are. But that's still pretty noble. Like, I want to try to get to that thing. Yeah. How do we get there? But then a lot of people aren't willing to put the work in to get there.
0: Well, they, don't, they also don't understand that, like, that's even an issue. So, like, for, like, most people that I, when I bring up, like, when they say, people will say, like I just said in the beginning, when I was just saying, was, like, they remember the first part of, like, the statement. There's only Green Marines. But most people that aren't a minority group in America... That's all they you know, they heard the other part too. And Dark Green Marines. And it's just like the vet the, most of the Marines that I that I that I talk to and people like the vets that I know, like they just told they're oblivious to these things. They they didn't see any of the racial I mean, issues that occurred in the Marine Corps, in the military in general. It's like, yeah, there is really still an issue. Like if you look at like meritorious like- boards, like there was like a, a, a new there was a change in the Marine Corps. I think it was last year, correct me if I'm wrong, where they stopped putting pictures of the person that was on the board, right? Yeah. And then when I went into the vet uh, groups that I'm a part of, they got mad about that. and I'm just like, do you not realize that the Marine Corps sees that there's an issue when they see somebody that is in a certain way, that their unconscious bias will disqualify the person from being on a meritorious board and that doesn't even like really occur in their brains
1: no it's not a conscious act
0: because it it, because it doesn't it doesn't apply to them and that's that's the issue
1: so yeah so i hate to tell you this but the it's been one year of actual like boards that have occurred for promotions since the decision was made to no longer allow the boards to see photos, right? So you don't see a a photo of the person. Um, Yet, diversity amongst promotion selection actually got worse.
0: I'm not surprised.
1: So the, and he, he doesn't listen to this podcast. If anybody does, who is in the Marine Corps and wants to talk to me about it, I fully intended to write General Williamson an email He was my commanding officer at communications company when I was a sergeant and a staff sergeant. I just have not had time because (laughs) it it hasn't been high enough on the priority list of stuff that happens every day, unfortunately, where uh, he's concerned about that, which is rightfully so, right? Hey, we made a change and the change has shown results uh, in the opposite direction of what we were hoping to try to achieve, right? So maybe we need to undo that change what I wanted to write him about. And if he's listening or anybody who works for him is listening, then let him know this is, this is me saying this. That there are other things about it that still allow bias to seep in. So one option would be completely removing names May assigning that's, that's numbers, good. right? Yeah. You can see names and you can have a bias whether you know it or not. Um, and so you'd have to remove the names to honestly even be able to completely remove bias. Also one year's worth of analysis is not enough time to honestly review the data and say that this is, or isn't a trend. It's one year. There's not enough time to say this made a positive or a negative impact. Um, and that I do have a master's degree in human resource management and like current public, like commercial uh, civilian company standards right now is to do that is to remove photos, remove names for promotions, for, for job selections, for all these things. You have to just remove that. And to, to go backwards is not the way we should go. Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, I, I told totally like, I was thinking as you were talking, I was like, it's gonna be names. Because it's easy to tell somebody that's the other, if, you know, the name isn't Jack or, you know, whatever, <laughs> like, just pick a white name, whatever. It like that's that's really a thing and it it comes down to like unconscious bias. Sometimes it's a conscious bias, to be honest. Like with some with a lot of people probably that don't want to admit it. But uh yeah, it's it's still there and it still pervades our military and this gets back to the point of like, you know of the New Jim Crow is that we're still seen as the other and we're we're not the other. Like we've literally been here as as long as you know, Europeans have. And we've helped build this country. And we're still getting billed as the other, as something lesser than. And it's, it's really disgusting. And to see all these excuses from people that, um, that are high-ranking in the military and uh, high-ranking in the civilian government give all these same bullshit excuses that go back to, like, you know the slave days and they don't whether they realize it or not is irrelevant but they're using the same words they're using the same phrases and they're using the same bullshit excuses and it's to the detriment of this country like we we could be a better society if we treated each other better as equals and we're not and it doesn't it's not even just even beyond you know new jim crow it comes down to women as well i I just need to bring up real quick the the insane abortion laws that I don't know where Papa Bear stands on this, so maybe he's gonna say something back. We could have a discussion. I have no idea, but like the abortion laws that just got passed down in Texas are draconian and fucking insane. Because there's right now in Texas, if you get raped as a thirteen year old girl, you have to carry, and after six weeks. You know, maybe you, didn't get, maybe you didn't get your fucking period yet at 13 years old. And you didn't know if you missed your, your period at six weeks. Even if you're a woman, at six weeks, you could just be late, you know. And they have these draconian laws in Texas to where you have to carry the child to term. And this is just removing rights away from women, much of the same way that rights have been removed from minorities, you know, and women for the past, you know, 400 fucking years. And I just, I don't, I don't like the trend of the America. I almost feel like, honestly, I feel like the, the America that I was sold as a kid never really fucking existed.
1: And I I can understand feeling that way. Um, yeah. Go
0: ahead. Come, come, come on in, man
1: uh, so on the the actual topic, like or the, the piece that you brought up, um, i I personally you know don't agree with abortion, right but that has nothing to do with a political position on it, which is that I think people need to have their own choice. I can't decide what someone else's right looks like. I can't decide a law that would be able to cover every situation for this particular topic. So it's, it's unfair to think that I could do that. Right. But I, so uh, the, the only thing I would say is I would like it to be legalized for those who want to do so, but then that someone should receive counseling before they make that decision. Right. To understand the impact it will have on their life, either decision, like either way they go. Right. Cause a lot of times, I think what we have is we have a concern that people will make a bad choice, right? So we tell them, you don't have that choice. Instead of educating them about the options and what the outcomes of both will be, both short-term and long-term. And if we can inform someone and let them make an informed decision, they can make that choice. So if... Hold on,
0: sorry, real quick. I think it just because I I know that if there is a woman listening, especially if my people that I know, if they listen to this they're gonna there's gonna be like red flags i think that the issue is yeah if you can if you can get more informed yeah that's probably the way to go if it was consensual you know during the conception of the baby but there's times to where where it's not consensual that happens in america more than probably both of us want to admit to where, if somebody wants to get an abortion, I don't think that somebody should be sat down and be like, Hey, are you really sure that you know you want to do this? Do you understand the consequences because it's gonna bring them to like a super dark place, man.
1: Yeah, so I, I guess I mean, like, it shouldn't be an effort to convince them not to, okay? Be clear, right? Uh, but that so, God, it's gonna get, get, get real, real personal. So, um, my mom when she was 16 was raised and became pregnant as a result of that. And you know, made the decision to, to keep that child because she knew she couldn't personally deal with the idea of knowing that she had been uh, responsible for killing the, the baby that she was carrying regardless of the situation. So she puts the child up for adoption. She couldn't handle being able to raise that child. like She's like, I there's no way I can do that. Yeah. But, but her personal, she had an understanding. She spoke with her mother. She understood enough about herself and the situation to make that decision herself. And that's what I wouldn't want is that, especially a young woman like that, who maybe hadn't even considered the idea, like, how are you going to feel afterwards? Have you thought about it? Like, I'm not telling you you need to feel one way or another about it. They need you to think about it and understand that you will, you know, have to live with that decision. Whatever you make, decision you make in the next 24 or 48 hours, however long you take to decide, um, that you will have to live with that decision for the rest of your life. And just take some time to think. We talked about it for this podcast. Take time to think about it. Like I'm not telling you, you need to decide one way or the other. Here are the outcomes based on whichever decision you choose, but you have to live with those choices. in Especially in the young, young situation, like they may not even have an understanding of what's going on, and I think we owe those people, as a society, um, the information as to what their decision is going to cause them for the rest of their life. And they may not even be thinking about the fact that well, that might traumatize them for the rest of their life.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I, obviously, I don't know because I've never been in this, this situation. But I, I would, I would think that today that they would likely talk about. You know, options to an abortion if they went to the, uh, you know, obviously I've adopted, and I know uh, my youngest daughter's uh, birth mother, birth mother situation, and so she obviously decided to keep the baby to term, and then we adopted her daughter, so I understand like both sides of that, but I I think that in this day and age, I, I would at least hope that they would talk about some sort of options when it came to that, but at the same time, it's like. I don't think that it should be illegal. Like, I think it should still be, like, a... Yeah. I think we're both consensus on that, right? It should be the woman's decision. Yes. Um, before a certain, I guess, date. And what that date is and the pregnancy is probably negotiable. But it's definitely not six weeks. Because, no. I mean, that's not even showing yet.
1: I think... Yeah. I would say, like, it's hard. It's a really hard line to draw. Yeah. Uh, because initially i kind of go towards as long as it's not going to be dangerous for the mother right who's making the decision yeah but at some point we have to agree that like that child is completely a viable life now and could come out of the mother and live
0: yeah but even then yeah. even with that knowledge there's still caveats yeah like if if you knew like your child was going to be Need to have like a lot of needs, and you just were not. I can't even say that. That's like it's just a decision I can't make as a man. Um, no. Like, if, if the, the kid needs to have like a, a lot of needs, like, could you end it at any point? And I, I'm not comfortable on saying yes or no on any of that. So, that it comes down to the woman. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. what it should always come down to for me is the woman.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't understand enough about what's going on in that situation to be able to, like, contribute to that decision. So I've I've said a couple times, like, I am here for you. I am 100% on board with whatever decision you make, and I will support you whichever way you, you want to go with it. But, like, I'm not going to try to influence your decision. I will just be here to support whatever it is that you want to do.
0: That's what's interesting. So, when you had your first kid, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I'm I'm going to assume the answers because I, I know my answers. What was your first kid planned?
1: Logan. Yes. Who is 19 years old now? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: no. And what happened when you
0: when your now wife said that she was pregnant? What did you What was the first thing you said to her? Uh, yes, let you to Remember.
1: Yeah, I probably don't remember. Um, I think, so, we both, it was very fast, for one. And we were still so very much, like, at the very early newlywed passion. Oh, you were married? in love state, huh? That You were married? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and so, it, it was definitely a, like, okay, cool kind of thing. Like, that wasn't where we expected to go, but here's where we are, you know. And we were good with it. Um, at no
0: point, no point did we ever discuss this portion of awesome so I was not married when my oldest daughter who's almost 19 now
2: yeah
0: we were dating we were dating for a little bit and I remember she told me she, that she was pregnant and I was like alright well what do you want to do and I think that most people when they hear that question from a from a guy,
1: yeah,
0: they think about it like the wrong sort of way. Yeah, like when I said like, "What do you want to do?" I meant like literally, "What do you want to do?" Because it's like outside of my hands. Like I have <laughs> like literally zero input on like what you are going to decide to do. So if you want to have a kid, or we yeah. are, that means we're going to have a kid. So we have to like change plans. Um, but, you know, if you want to do something else, then that's your decision too. Like, I was down for, you know, either or, because it's it's her body. And I hear, like, a a lot of people make fun of men that ask that question as if it was, like, some negative thing. But it's, like... It's not a negative thing in my mind, because, like, at least from my aspect, like, I was literally asking, like... What do you want to do? Because I, I'm I'm not willing to take control, or even trying to say that I have any control over your body. So right. if you want to have a child, I'll be there for you and a child. But if you don't, then I'll be there for you and, and with with the aftermath. You know. And I think just a lot of men. It, well, I guess maybe I'm altruistic, and other men might not think. Like, so I'm just speaking from my point of view. Other men might not think this way, but. For me it was just like, yeah, it's either yay or nay and I'm for you I'm with you for both. So yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think so like what some of it is how we say what we say. And if you and you're right, there are some guys who would be completely being attempting to be influencing the decision. Yeah. By asking that question. Um so Ideally, in my head, it's start with the like. I am not. I am not trying to like just be upfront, right? Like I'm not trying to say this one way or the other. I want you to know whatever ends up happening. I'm here for you. Like this. This doesn't have anything to do with our relationship. So whatever you wanted. It, like so, starting it off with a like. I'm letting that be upfront. Like I'm not trying to control this situation that I have no control over. Because um, I think, although I mean, I, shit, as I say it, like that could be trying to be manipulative too.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you got to be like real careful, especially like obviously back then I was in like my early twenties, so yes. I wasn't that's very, sh- wasn't very intelligent. Sh- <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, it's all good. That was like we went deep, we were also way over time. We tried yeah. to get this to two hours.
1: We are. And I think we're, we're at the end of it. We may need to still cover the topic at some point again, but at least maybe I feel like we covered something that most people don't think about or talk about, which is kind of what we go for.
0: Yes. And so a statistic that I want people to look up is um, when it comes to like mass incarceration is how many people are actually incarcerated today and how, how many people are actually felons today. And I think that people would be surprised if you look up the numbers um, there was like a really, there's a cool song, I think it's Legend Has It by Run the Jewels and the music video shows like a timeline and like, kind of like the later half of the video of like the prison population over the decades and when it gets to like, it goes from like, I think it's like the 60s to the 70s to the 80s then the 90s then the 2000s it's just like, when it gets to like the 80s it just goes and it's it's incredible, you know? Th- there's more people that are enslaved today that were slaves during the, you know, actual slave days.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's, it's really disgusting. And people just, they, they label them as others because of some insignificant crime they did towards nobody else but themselves, most of them. And
1: we just throw which, them away. Other people, which, which other people, people right across town are also Also probably doing. doing.
0: They're definitely doing. So, when people talk about, like, ghettos in America, ghettos are mostly over-policed, and this is by design. And if you are a white American, please let me know if you went to school where nobody did any sorts of drugs. If you didn't know who the drug dealer was in your school. If you never got high with anybody else in your school. And just imagine, in that same vein... Where you had a bunch of police, where if you, did any, if you had any sort of paraphernalia on you, they would take your body, charge you as an adult, and throw you in a jail full of grown men and grown women. Just imagine that. Just because of where you happen to live. And that's the way America is today in 2021. It hasn't really changed.
1: So on that very happy note, uh,
2: say bye. We'll talk Thank to you all later. Later. Okay, now we're recording. Um,
0: yeah, sorry. People kind of missed some stuff as we were talking. Now the audio's going too. We are just talking about different microphones. Uh, Papa Bear has yeah. a different microphone setup than what I'm used to.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I. So this one, this is the same mic I usually use when set up at the other location, mm-hmm. but I have it set up in a way so that it kind of comes over the top, and I just usually put it out of the way right here, um, so you don't ever even see a microphone at all.
0: But you definitely sound further. Maybe I'll turn my my volume up. But there's it gets to a point if I turn my side up, then it gets like this weird like wah
1: wah 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 yeah. thing.
0: Yeah.
1: You try to see if I can do that and make it more directional. Yeah. Is that going to work yeah. better?
0: Might work better, but usually with these sorts of mics, it's usually like a little. There's a one side that, that picks it up, but obviously I, I don't know exactly what mic you have though, so.
1: Yeah, on the mic itself, there's not a thing. Uh, yeah. There should be like a mark.
0: Yeah, hold on. me. I'm gonna pull my mic out. Let me. I'm gonna. Can I mute myself? Maybe I don't have to. Hold on. Oh, that's fucking loud. You see that thing? Oh, uh, yeah, right there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. If y'all are listening to this or watching yeah, it, it, I just it. it too. yeah, I probably did.
1: Yeah. Uh, if
0: I touch it, then it gets
1: kind of crazy. There's um. There's the name there, so maybe the spot where the name is would probably be the goal. Let's do that.
0: Yeah. Because usually these mics are definitely directional.
1: Usually. this up, sorry.
0: It's all good. You just got to pinch it, right? Pinch the two little side things?
1: Pinch? Yeah. There you go. Okay. Let's see. Maybe if I said that like that, that's probably better. Is that better? Yes. Oh, got it.